Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Mr. Wills. This is Brittany. And this is Signals from Pittsburgh. And once again, Brittany, it's that time of year where we cobble together our Halloween marathon list, movies that we think would make a great Halloween movie marathon. We're going to do a little bit different this year, something a little different this year. Uh, We are going to each pick six movies, and then we're each going to pick two movies off of each other's list, and then whatever remains, you and I will decide on two additional movies. So just to follow, I'm going to list six movies. You're going to pick six movies. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick two movies off your list, and you're going to pick two (laughs) movies off my list. And whatever movies remain, we're going to pick two together. How's that sound? I like it. It's very democratic. Very democratic. This is a democratic uh, movie marathon. Um, it, like I said, it's a little different this year, but we're going to get right into it because we have a lot of work to do here. And I've been thinking long and hard about these lists. So if you don't mind, can I go ahead and jump right into mine? Usually I like to say ladies first, but I'm chomping at the bit to give you my list here. <laughs> so I would really Gentlemen like... first today. Gentlemen. Well, there are no gentlemen in the room, but I guess uh, I'm the closest thing. So I'll take that as <laughs> I can go ahead and go. So yeah. when um, I thought about a few different things when I was uh, thinking about picking lists for a marathon, um, and some of these movies I haven't even seen yet. So if we end up picking them, we were going to watch them together, and then we will be watching them with brand new eyes together. So that'll be interesting. So let me hop right to it. Uh, the first movie on my list that I'm going to pick is going to be Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, I did see this one in the theater. I thought it was very interesting. It was a cool concept. Uh, Aliens attack. They're essentially a family of people that have been in the beginning of film because their great-great-granddaddy was the first black man filmed on a horse, and it was the first motion picture. So obviously that's a fictional story, but that's a cool setup. And this aliens or alien comes and uh, attacks them. We don't know. It just starts wreaking havoc on their farm. But there's much more to it than that. But I did see it. So uh, the next one would be Mad God. Um, legendary stop motion special effects artist Phil Tippett. This is his uh, passion project. He's worked on such things as Jurassic Park, Star Wars, and pretty much everything that you've seen that has amazing stop motion. Um, I saw this in the theater. I thought it was awesome. It's streaming on Shudder. Um, if you pick that, we'll get into a little more than that. Tenebrae, um, a Dario Gento classic. Uh, one of my favorite giallos of all time. Uh, you know, there's a book out called Tenebrae, Women Are Getting Murdered. There's Black Gloves. One more than you need to know. Tatane, this came out last year. Very harrowing story. Um, you know, without burying the lead, um, it's just about this girl who goes through really fucked up trauma and it's not quite what you expect. So maybe if you pick that one, I'll go a little more into it. Salome, I saw the trailer for on Shutter looked interesting about this gang of mercenaries and they get taken back to this guy's home country. And it seems like a lot of twists and turns seem kind of like reservoir dogs meets maybe green inferno. I don't know. I haven't seen this one yet, but if we pick it, we'll review it. If not, maybe we'll watch it in the future. And then my final pick 
is glorious. Also on Shudder, starring Ryan Katane, uh, this gentleman ends up locked in the bathroom, uh, and it appears he talks to a glory hole that may or may not be <laughs> occupied from some Cthulhu-like creature. So those are mine. Uh, Brittany, out of those six, you can pick whatever two you would like. Um, if you want, you can pick one and then list your movies, and then I will pick one off your list, and then we'll go back and forth. However you'd like to do it, ladies' choice. Okay. So I saw Nope. I've seen – actually, I've only seen I've only seen one of these, so it's all fresh for me. So I'm going to base my choices off of kind of what seem, seems the most interesting or what's – kind of hooking my interest right now. So let's see. So Titan, I really wanted to see. Or Titan. I'm not sure how you're supposed to say it. I always say Titan, but I think it's we all know how I pronounce things. Right. <laughs> Wonder wonderfully. Yeah, perfect. I've never screwed up ever. Um yeah, so I'm just gonna call it Titan right now. Maybe we'll remedy that. But I'm gonna pick that one. Okay. Uh, I wanted to see it when it was in theater and I missed it. And I hope I don't regret missing it. Yeah, it just sounds like it's got an interesting vibe and I'm ready for something kind of weird. So that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Oh, and then the other one, I think I'm going to go with Mad God because uh, I also missed that one. They had a limited run of it um, up here in Buffalo and I didn't get to go see that one either. And it just sounds really interesting. You know, it's like it sounds like it's this guy's passion project that he's been working on for a long time. I don't that's about all I know about it. I don't know. It just it sounds weird. It sounds weird, and it looks kind of neat. So that's definitely up my alley. And lately, I've been in a very like weird horror mood. Horror that is cosmic or just kind of like overly strange. Um, you know, I go in and out of moods. Sometimes I want to watch slashers. Sometimes I just want something weird. So those are the two I'm going to pick. All right, we'll add those to the list. And I am excited to watch those again with you, even though I've already seen them. Obviously, they're on my list. I hold them in very high regards. Let's see what you have to offer up for me and the rest of our listeners. So um, I have Annihilation. I've been trying to get that on some sort of list for a long time because I am a big sci-fi horror person. Well, I mean, regular sci-fi is fine, but I prefer my sci-fi to also have notes of horror in it. So I picked Annihilation um, from Alex Garland, 2018. Um, I love it. I've seen it a few times. And um, if you've read the book, it's not. It, he definitely takes his own direction on it, but I think it's. I think I think he did a great job. So I've been itching to put that on some sort of list since we started the podcast. So next one is Psycho Goreman. Uh, we saw that together, so we've already seen that. Um, and it was a blast. Super fun movie. Let's see. Oh, I should say uh, it's it's directed by Stephen Co- Kostansky. I'm just keeping up with my uh, <laughs> with my uh, reputation of not being able to say anybody's name. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that came out the other year during the pandemic and um, missed it. But luckily, we got a chance to see it later at, on because at Thursday the Night Terrors. Yeah, shout out to Thursday Night Terrors in Buffalo. If you haven't gone, uh, where have you been? You better get there. Uh, so the next one I put on my list is Color Out of Space, which we also both saw. We'll see in like everything, so it's hard for me to pick something he hasn't seen. Um, but Color Out of Space is really neat. 
uh, I've been itching to put that on the list as well. I think it's a really well done um, cosmic horror. Uh, I think it's hard to do Lovecraft, and I think they did a good job. So I wanted, I wanted to get it on here. Uh, my next one was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and that is the 1978 version, uh, Philip Kaufman. That's the best version, and no one's going to tell me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue. Um, you won't argue. Okay, good, good. We don't have to get into a fight. It's a democratic podcast, remember. So you can have opinions. It's not a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So the next one I picked was X. So super new. 2022 by Ty West. It, it's a it's a doozy. It's a lot of fun. And the more you think about the movie, I think the kind of the more sympathetic you get for the characters, you know, it's not just a slasher. So I guess I'll leave it at that. If we pick it, we'll we'll get into it a little more. And my sixth movie is Eden Lake. I watched that um, within the last year. It was on Pluto, and I just needed something to slap on in the background. And next thing you knew, I was totally in it. So that one definitely took me by surprise, and I thought it kind of deserved a spot on the list. So that's my list. It's all six. Uh, what do you? What's uh, what's striking an interest in you today? Well. I've seen all of these movies, but two movies. And since you've picked off my list, the movies I've already seen, I kind of want to do something new. But that's not the only reason I'm going to pick these movies. I've been wanting to watch Annihilation forever. I've heard there's like some epic, cool sci-fi horror elements to it. And I love, uh, I do like Natalie Portman and uh, Oscar oh, Isaac so that's a lot. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it is, that's a factor, but I also do like Oscar Isaac and I saw um, Men directed by Alex Garland as well. I'm not going to get into specifics. I thought Men was all right. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, maybe we'll do a, an episode on it. Um, but everybody's telling me Alex Garland is the man I need to check out. I've never watched uh, Ex Machina either, so I'm watching him in reverse order. So we'll watch Ex Machina right. next. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'll definitely pick... I'll pick Annihilation because I've wanted to see it. You've told me it's a favorite of yours and I trust your opinion and I'm really excited to check that one out. Uh, secondly, I mean, X X is cool. Um, X was a fun movie. I have seen it. Um, and then recently Pearl just came out. So maybe when Maxine comes out, we can do a podcast on the trilogy. Ooh. So maybe we hold off until Ty West finishes his X trilogy and then we can talk about all three of them. Together. Good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Color Out of Space, I will always talk about Nicolas Cage, but maybe we do a Nicolas <laughs> Cage episode. Yeah, and, he might need his own episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nicolas Cage and horror episode. If you guys are interested, please let us know. Um, and then Psycho Goreman, we did watch together. I love Psycho Goreman, but PG needs his own episode if we're going to talk about PG. So uh, I, I believe <laughs> that... Uh, I mean, he talked to... Yeah, you can't you can't fit him in with anybody else. He might come down and destroy us. He could come down to destroy us. So I mean, I love PG. So that leaves Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Eden Lake. And then I'm going to go with Eden Lake because I've heard good things. I haven't seen it. It seems different. Um, it's from 2008, so it's a little later or a little you know a little earlier than some of the ones I had on my list. So I think we need, you know, we've all. It looks like we've got a lot from. 
you know, the 2000s, but that's okay. Like, yeah, I we think have a lot of new movies this year. A lot of new movies. It's all right. New movies are cool. And it's good that they're still making great new horror. And I definitely want to check out Annihilation. And I've heard great things. Ian Lake has popped up on a bunch of great lists of, like, underrated horror movies. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that one. Awesome. Cool. And I always say I always... <laughs> I always mix up Eden Lake with Lake Mungo for some reason. I uh-huh. guess because they have the word lake in them. But uh-huh. every time I go to I'm, I always look at the cover art of Lake Mungo and I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that movie. And then I realize that's not the same movie. So I don't know if anybody else out there does that with movies. But or maybe it's just me. But did you watch uh, Lake Mungo, though? Yeah. Eden, La- Eden Lake it is. OK, that's the one. All right. So let's get down to brass tacks here. It's time for you and I to decide the final two that we add on the list. So, the remainders of both of our lists merged together. We have Psycho Gorman, Color Out of Space, the remake of The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, which is your favorite, am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. X, uh, X from earlier this year, Salome, which neither one of us seen, but it is on Shutter stream exclusively. Tenebrae, which is probably... I think... I always go back and forth with Dario Gento, but I really do think Tenebrae is my favorite giallo from him. It's my favorite giallo from him at this time. It always changes. Okay. I, sometimes <laughs> well, I like that. Well, something new coming out. So. Yeah, yeah, Black Love. Yeah. I think it's Black Loves, I believe it's called. But it's coming out on Shutter, so maybe... Yeah, I did see that. Um, nope, uh, which we both seen and we both enjoyed. But once again, maybe... Maybe a Jordan Peele episode. We'll see. We'll, we'll debate here. And then okay. Glorious, which is a Shutter exclusive. I like giving Shutter exclusives a shot. I think Shutter's doing a good job of highlighting different types of movies, maybe ones that don't have a huge budget. Shutter is becoming the new, for me, the new directed DVD or the new, you know, when I'd go to the movie store, like, oh, look, we have this. Like, you're not going to, you didn't see any press for it. You didn't, you know, it's not getting many write ups, mm-hmm. but. Here it is, and we haven't. We ordered it, you know. Like, you know, <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, like the Leprechaun. That's how I watched all the Leprechaun movies and the Puppet Master movies. So Shutter's kind of doing that for me when they're coming out with their own movies that they're streaming exclusively. So I like that. Um, Brittany, out of these, out of these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies, uh, which one do you think we should add to the list? And state your reasoning. Oh, okay. I can't just pick willy nilly. Okay, so looking at the remainders list that we have here, I uh, so part of me wants to pick ten- Tenebrae because I've heard good things about it, mainly from you. And I think you got that cool special edition, right? Yeah, I just got the 4K release that they did. Um, I forget what company put it out. Hold on, I have it right here. Synapse. Okay. Synapse Films just put out a cool Ultra HD Blu-ray, and I purchased it in Toronto when I was there doing a Comic-Con. And unfortunately, I forget the name of the company, but there is an exclusive. uh, They're going to be mad at me. But I met a nice gentleman who worked for a company, and there's a company that is the exclusive dealer of all all the vanity subsidiary little labels like uh, Criterion, Synapse, they do Shout Factory, and they have a few other ones, too. I think Vinegar Syndrome. So there's one company that does all the distribution for them in Canada. So it's all done. It's not oh. like you don't see them in various stores. And they actually have a physical store there, too. So. Oh, that's and cool. 
and they're cheaper because they're Canadian. So. Oh yeah, for now. <laughs> yeah, for now, for now. So we'll see. We'll see how the uh, American dollar holds up. <laughs> right. Well. Um, okay. So um, part of me wants to pick it, but I don't think I will this time. Um, I've watched some giallos, and I, I the jury's still out. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll I'll have to give them more of a chance or we'll have to do like a special focus on that at some point to see if I can warm up to it. But so far I haven't been super impressed. <laughs> Somebody's going to kill me out there. Um, yeah. With black, wearing, just, while wearing it, yeah. black gloves, they're going to kill you while wearing black gloves. <laughs> oh, well then it's all the difference. It, and it'll be from their point of view. Probably when of you, course, of course. probably when you get out of the shower or, you know, you're getting dressed is probably when the murder will occur too. <laughs> and it'll be filmed. Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Classic it'll be on film. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see. But I think I'm gonna skip that one. But I do, I do want to come back to it and kind of give. I feel like I need more of a historical breakdown on Giallo, so I can appreciate it better. I don't know. We'll see. But I guess uh, I'll skip it this time. Okay. So nope, we saw, but I don't know if I would put that on a marathon list. Or not like the best of for me this year. I'm still thinking on it. I'm still processing that one. Psycho girl. <laughs> this is. I always say this. Psycho. <laughs> I can't say his name. Psycho girl man. That's what I said last time. Psycho girl man. <laughs> well, he likes hunky boys, or does he? he likes I don't know. We don't. Boys. Or does he? Yeah. Maybe he likes girl men. He could like girl men. <laughs> I don't know why I say that every time. So that could be the um, sequel. Yeah, yeah, he finds love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Psycho girl man. Um. Oh my god. Yeah, that'd be so great. Uh, I think I'll skip. Oh, that one's hard to skip. But I think I'm gonna pick. Well, I like the idea of glorious. I don't know what you think, but it looks it looks fun, and we have a lot of serious movies on here already, like heavy stuff. It does look fun. And it just looks fun. It's got uh, the guy Ryan Katane, I believe his name is from. True Blood, which I liked True Blood for a few seasons and then it went off the rails. But I thought he was good in that. And uh, it's also got J.K. Simmons, who I love um, and everything he's mm. in. So I yeah, and it looks it looks it looks interesting. You know what? I'll back I'll back that one up as much as I love Tenebrae. I was pulling for that. Um, but I'll, I'll back your vote up on Glorious. OK, OK, OK. Okay. What so, what are your thoughts? Like, what? How would you? If we don't pick Tenebrae, is the other one? If you don't, I know you don't want to pick Tenebrae, so I don't want to. I know you're not ready, so maybe I mean, we you could do argue a, for it if you wanted. <laughs> I think Tenebrae's great, but maybe we do a Dario Gento episode, or if you said you wanted to explore some Giallo stuff, there's a documentary that yeah, came out on Giallo's called all, "All the Colors of Giallo," I believe. So maybe we could watch that mm. and then get you geared up to watch some more Giallos. So that's yeah, I like you know, the thought of that. Let's put a pin in Tenebrae. Um, X, I think we put a pin in because I think we could talk about uh, Ty West's trilogy when it's finished. Uh, nope. I, I think we could do an episode or talk about all of Jordan Peele's movies together. So uh, I think just do an exploration of Jordan Peele. But I did enjoy Nope. So let me see. There's Color Out of Space. We talked about maybe Nick Cage. Psycho Gorman deserves his own episode. So we're down to Salome and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I think as much as I want to watch Salome, which I will, 
we need a classic on this list. Uh, we've got a lot of new movies, and I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers is uh, my pick. I, I'm going to vote for that. I know you like it a lot. Um, I think it's it goes great in any kind of marathon. Uh, it's just it's such a cool movie. So I say we put a classic. It's a classic remake. I say we throw it on the list. What say you? I say yes. I'm never going to say no to some body snatching. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> there we have it. There's our final list just to run everything down one more time for you playing at home. Our list for the 2022 Signals from Pittsburgh Halloween Horror Marathon is Titan or Titan, however you want to pronounce it. Mad God, Annihilation, Eden Lake, Glorious, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, 1978. So, we're going to get to watching these movies. We're going to take a quick break, but we're not going anywhere. We're just going to take a break, and then we'll pop right back after we watch these movies and give you our thoughts on all these movies and how they gelled as a movie marathon. So, we're actually doing it this year together. We're going to sit down and watch all these movies. Mm -hmm. It'll be a few minutes for you, but like 10 hours for us. (laughs) If we sound a little... Yes, we'll see you on the other side. If you sign a little groggy, you'll know why. All right. Oh, my God, I'm so tired, Brittany. That was a a lot of movie watching. But you know what? I think we made the right choice, but... My mind is fried, but I'm uh, ready to hop in. So let's start with the very first movie we watched. And you looked it up. How's it pronounced? <laughs> Titan. Titan. Okay, that answers so that question. That answers. So from now on, we will refer to it as Titan. That I the, won't make any promises, but I'll try. Okay. Titan. So uh, <laughs> it came out in 2021, uh, directed by Julia. Du Cornal, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, starring Vincent Linden and Agatha Roussel, I believe. Uh, what did you think? I had seen this before. I saw it in the theater. I had not seen it since I had seen it in the theater. But I want to hear y- your fresh thoughts on Titan, and then I'll jump in. I feel like it would have been really cool to see it in the theater. Um, but it was also cool to watch now. Um... I, I thought it was going to go a couple of different directions, but it didn't go at all. Are we, so we're just, we're going spoilers. I'm just going to. Yeah, we're just going all talk. Out. I'm just going to talk. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about <laughs> the places I thought it was going to go. Firstly, I was thinking it was going to go more in the direction of Crash. David Cronenberg's Crash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. David Cronenberg's Crash. I, w- I was thinking maybe it would go that direction or be some, just focus on that a little more, but it didn't. Well, kind of. There's aspects, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't quite the same. This, uh, it follows this, um, Alexia, who was in a car accident as a kid, gets a head injury that's pretty severe and uh, ends up with uh, titanium plates in her head. And she was being a little be... piece of shit, though. I'm yeah, gonna say she's that. being a little bitch in the car, you know? She was kicking the shit out of the car where her dad was trying to fucking drive. 
and she wouldn't settle the fuck down. So I, I just wanted to, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say that. Here's my expert advice. If you have children, show them the beginning of this movie and just stop it there. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what happens when you're being a little shit in the backseat. But so she had a terrible head injury and um, lived and recovered to be healthy as far as we know uh, until we get further into the story where she it's implied that well it's more than implied she has a sexual attraction to cars so um, not necessarily the crashing part of cars but just cars themselves so um, yeah it didn't yeah. quite go the direction I was thinking I also the other thing that popped into my head was I felt like they're hinting at as like a sentient car sort mm -hmm. of feel for a little bit near the beginning mm -hmm. um, when the car kind of shows up and the lights turn on like seemingly by well, themselves which like Christine yeah 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 definitely kind of like that mm -hmm. um, or any of the, the, the few other sentient car movies out there but so I thought it was going to go that direction where she was going to like have this relationship with a car that's also sentient but that did not happen either uh, she, but she definitely it, ends up getting it on in the car. Whether the yeah. car was was into it or not, we don't know. But she was. I think. So you think she possibly raped a car? Uh, I you, guess that is what I'm saying. The car. I don't remember that car giving any consent. Yeah, I. <laughs> I want to bring up when she comes out of the surgery when she's a child. She doesn't say, you know, ma, or you know, she doesn't care about her dad or whatever who was driving or, you know, that he's safe. She like shows emotion for the car. Oh yeah. 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 That's right. She comes out of the hospital instead of being like traumatized or scared by the car. She hugs it, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I, um, yeah. So she, and then she grows up to be, she has this fucking awesome scar too, by the way. And you can see it on the movie, yeah. the movie poster. It's really striking, but it's this cool, like, gnarly scar on the side of her head from the titanium plates being um, inserted in there. Um, then she ends up being a stripper, not a stripper, but a model for car shows. Like she's doing like car shows and modeling and like scantily clad outfits. Very sen and, <laughs> yeah. Very sensual dancing on the hoods and definitely and, helping show off the car among other she, things. She has she has a way with well she has a she has a following which you know I maybe it's different in Europe maybe I I'm not too into car car culture I think cars are cool I don't have any sexually sexual attraction to cars <laughs> uh, but there is there was like a, it's a big following and I know there's huge car expos and shows everywhere around the world but it seems like she has actually a cult following for being this kind of a model. Um, and it gets weird too, really quick, uh, when she runs into, uh, another model and one of her admirers, but I'll let you, uh, continue on with what you're saying, but I just wanted to jump in and say, uh, I thought it was weird, her adoration for the car when she came out of the hospital and then her growing up into being a, essentially a model for car shows. Yeah. So instead of being, uh, traumatized to the point of avoiding, she is um she goes the other direction <laughs> in an extreme way. So yeah, she gets it down with the car more than once. 
car consent is in question, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, we kind of follow her. We follow her around. She ends up killing some guy that uh, follows her to her car. Hence the following thing you're talking about. She has a following. He wants an autograph, and then he wants to kind of get it on with her. And uh, she wears a I don't know what that is like a stick in your hair like a ha- you know? like a hair it's like a hairpin but it's like a like a giant yeah it looks like, like a big chopstick I'm sure there's yeah. a name for that yeah it's like a bobby not a bobby pin but it's Definitely like not a, a bobby pin <laughs> not not a bobby pin but I yeah you know I'm not fashionable like that but yeah <laughs> um so she kills him with that she like wears it in her hair kills him. Um, it's implied that it's kind of a shock to her that she like did that. So she so she kills this guy, and um, it's the way it's like kind of like shot. I love the uh, sound design because mm-hmm. she takes this pin out of her hair and shoves it in his ear, and the instant it hits his ear, it's like an underwater sound effect. Like you're deafened, but. Yeah, I don't know if you were listening to it. Were you listening in both headphones? Because it sounded to me like it only deafened the one ear, the one side of my headphone. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of cool. Or that or I was imagining it. But (laughs) um, either way, it was effective. Very effective. I I liked the sound design in the movie. Um, So it's kind of played off um, as she seems kind of shocked about Mm -hmm. having that just happen. And kind of move, moves along uh, with her life. We we overhear she's still living with her parents, it seems. And we overhear um, some murders on TV. So I was assuming it was talking about that guy that she killed, which mm-hmm. it might have been. But it sounds it, they kind of keep it in the background of the scene. But they uh, they're, they're talking about multiple murders, I think so. So that's that's kind of weird. Um, so we're thinking maybe she it was just lumped in. We don't really know. We don't know how that's going to pan out. But I think this is like the first hint of maybe she's killed before. Yeah, I thought at that. least for me, because I was like, oh, that's weird that they're saying that. Um, yeah, and then they implied. Life, yeah. yeah, they implied it a little bit, and that how nonchalantly she is just like kind of watching this news mm. report and eating cereal and. But my fir- the connection in my head went to she she's done this before. Yeah. Um, just in real life, uh, a lot of people who get head injuries, um, usually more severe ones, but sometimes just minor ones, will end up having a huge personality change. Um, a super common thread in like serial killers and just violent people is a head injury, um, especially when they're a kid. So I'm like, ah, okay, she's a murderer, mm-hmm. um, and that ends up being correct. So I don't know if you want to like take take the next part on from here and kind of go through. Well, she starts the middle of the movie. She starts seeing this girl, that's also a model. Uh, they become friends. They all shower together for some reason. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know I wasn't for the viewer's pleasure. For the viewer's pleasure, and uh, she gets her hair caught in her nipple ring, which was very hard to watch. <laughs> it was just like one of those ouch moments you know yeah uh they start to develop a relationship she's then we come to find out she and i want to back up a second i love the there's a post coital shot of her with the after she has sex with the car 
it's shot through the moonroof, and I just liked like it was just very cinematic and cool and creepy and weird all at the same time. It's just like she had just you know had her fun with the <laughs> with the car <laughs> and then uh, got in her release from the car and then just a cool panning shot straight up. I or I thought it was super awesome overhead shot through the moonroof. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she has she develops a relationship with this girl, uh, you know and starts to get aggressive with her the girl doesn't like it she and then tells her kind of to fuck off but then goes back on that she ends up hooking up with this girl at her house with her and then just freaks out once again and kills her stabs her in the air fucking kills her viciously and then finds out comes to find out (laughs) she has a has a uh, house full of roommates and dispatches them in hilarious you know you have to watch it for yourself but dispatches each roommate in hilarious <laughs> ways and it's just like she's so by the time she like finds out there's like a third the third roommate she's just like how many are there of you she's just so exasperated and more annoyed <laughs> she she's like she's Very irritated she's irritated it's not like oh she's a vicious killer i mean she she's Killing in like in such a main di- mundane fashion, it's hilarious. To where it's just like she just kills a guy with a chair leg, and then kills you know takes forever to kill his girlfriend in a very slow and methodical, but also like hysterical way. Not even I you know it's kind of shot shot for laughs. And then finally their other roommate comes up and she has to kill that poor guy too. And all he wanted mm-hmm. was a hug. He just wanted she just wanted a hug, and then. Uh, he thought she just wanted a hug and he just stabbed him. And I, I felt bad for that one. I felt bad, but I also yeah, thought I did it was feel hilarious. bad for that one. That poor dude, man. He's just like, are you all right? We're all good. He was, yeah, he was trying to be hospitable and uh, he got murdered for his uh, for his actions. She realizes yeah. she's in too deep now, so there's right, only one right, because her, vic- her it was her first victim that got away it was one of the girls, one of the roommates. So she ends up uh, like tripping her down the stairs or whatever and Alexia is bleeding so now she's like ah oh, fuck my my DNA's here and mm-hmm. this girl gets away and she um she's like yeah this, it's kind of over <laughs> you know i think i'm going to be identified but she does take the little the rug with her that she bled all mm-hmm. over and she takes it home and starts burning it did the girl get away i thought she had killed the girl no she had away Oh, okay. See, I she knocked her out, ran. Oh, I always implied that she had killed her, and so I see. I missed that. I always implied that it was so. That's so they were on the hunt for her because the girl. Yeah, that's how they got. Yeah, because what happens next is like she has to go on the run, and they they have a um, picture of her out. You know, they pulled out a a, a PB for her or whatever. Yeah, that girl lived, but she goes home, burns the rug. And my first thought was like, wow, that's looks like she's burning it inside. That's kind of stupid. Uh, turns out she's doing it on purpose. <laughs> so I don't know if it's because she has some shame in her parents potentially finding out it, that she's a killer because she mm-hmm. ends up locking them in the house and burning it down, killing her parents. We think I, it doesn't. We don't know. Well, do we know if they died? It, I'm, I'm pretty I, sure they died. But it's I mean, heavily it, implied. It was heavily implied they died, but I didn't realize that that girl got away and that's how they found her. That makes sense, though. I must. Yeah, that's how her face got. She like knew it was all going to happen. I thought. 
That makes like, sense. She, my face is going to be out there. I don't know if she felt like she didn't want her parents to find out because it was going to come out or if she killed them for like a different motives. Had no more leads. so like, uh, yeah, for leads, like if her parents saw her face, they would mm. be able to catch up with her quicker. So it could have been more selfish. Well, her mother, um, I thought, had died, correct? And this was his what his her father's his second wife, wife or girlfriend yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely so her he, dad though. And and her dad was a doctor and was examining because after the coitus with the car, uh, she gets a lump in her stomach and the, she has her dad check it out. So we find out he's some kind of a doctor. I don't know if he was a OBGYN or just a diff, you know practicing just a regular general, general. practitioner or whatever, but. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so obviously she kills him, and it was like a very cool scene there, where uh, she looks at him, and he's just sitting up in bed, and she just looks at him, and closes the door, and like lock, you know, locks him in, like traps mm-hmm. him inside. So I just thought that was a cool. It was a creepy, cool scene that wasn't yeah. like played with like a jump scare or you know the traditional. Oh, I'm gonna kill you, dad, and like no, like right. it was just a very. It was an exchange. Like, what are you up to? And like very surreal look, and then uh, you he know knew, just though. yeah, it was the but it was a muted realization mm-hmm. and like horror. Yeah, so that's that, what was I scary thought, about it. Just yeah, look at yeah. his face, realizing what she was doing. You know? Yeah, he's like fuck. Like you know, it was just it was almost like an acceptance. It was very weird. But I, I thought it. it was like smart that like. The shot when she's coming inside after killing the girl right before she burns the house down, mm-hmm. they show her like dad smoking a cigarette, staring at her, mm-hmm. <laughs> looking disapprovingly. Yeah. But they they purposely show him there in the window, and you can see that there's bars on the window. So that's how you know for sure he's not getting out of the house. That's a good point. See, this is why I so. watch movies with you. You you have another. <laughs> Uh, you have a bigger level of observation, at least for foreign films, it seems. Uh, yeah, so- <laughs> yeah, we both notice different things, but yeah, yeah. So continuing on, she's on the run. Oh yeah, and then so she's on the run, and her uh, APB has been put out, so they know who they're looking for. So she's at a train station and or subway station, and she's just trying to make herself look different. Then she sees this uh, video screen slash picture of this missing boy named Adrian uh, who had been missing for, I think, 12 years or maybe a little bit longer. But then they had a um, like an artist rendition of a computer generated like rendition of what he would look like at present time. And she gets in her head that she could look like that with a few modifications so in one of mm-hmm. the fucking most gruesome scenes in the entire yeah. film she and they you see every second of it she tries to break her own nose uh mm-hmm. by punching herself in the face and then finally succeeds by smashing her face against the sink and i there's not a lot that makes me wince but this movie there's a lot of you know there's a few moments in this movie that made me wince and it's because the realism and i bought I bought everything in this movie. And that's going to sound insane because there are some very, like having <laughs> sex with a car, like, but I believe in her mind, she believed she had sex with a car. But then, like, then we start to see, you know, the physical, you know, ramifications of that, of being impregnated mm-hmm. by a car. So, and I know the director has her own take on it, but I will leave that to people to go and read that and decide but i think movies should be viewed subjectively and 
how are people see it? I like to hear people's opinions because movies are made for the masses. So, you know, people could be way off base, but, you know, people could get, you know, different things from it. Uh, off tangent for a second. Uh, when Eli Roth shot Cannibal, or when he shot Green Inferno, he had to explain to the villagers where he was shooting the movie what a fucking movie was. They didn't even understand what a movie was. <laughs> so then he showed them uh, Cannibal Holocaust, and they thought it was a comedy. So it just proves like how you <laughs> how you Definitely interpret a perception. movie. Yeah, perception is how the movie lives on, you know, <laughs> in different cultures, different people's minds. And that to me is the greatness of movies. But there's a yep. lot of that in this movie. This movie is a lot about perception, just to, to bring it back around. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So she busts herself up, changes her image to look like this missing boy. Um, she's definitely pregnant. I said pregnant with some Hot Wheels. Yeah, um, <laughs> and Amazing. um, and she's having uh symptoms, and her belly's getting a little bigger, so she's wrapping herself up, trying to make herself look like a boy, and um, and it works. This guy comes to pick her up, um, the missing boy's father, and accepts her as his missing son. And it's a little weird. This guy, this guy's a little, he's a little much, you know. He's, uh, I think the first one of the first shots we see of him outside of picking Alexia up is um, him just taking steroids in the ass yeah. cheek. So, so this guy's like a firehouse. Uh, I almost said manager. That makes it sound like he's a manager of firehouse sub. He's a fire sub, chief. But he's a fire chief. Yeah, for a fire department. And so he's he's like a tough, tough, gruff guy. But he does have heart, though. That's what I liked about this character, because as... He does, yeah. As, Eventually. As, it's, kind yeah, of, it's a weird... Vincent. Vincent's his name. But yeah, yeah as, as crazy as he is, like, trying to maintain his youth and strength via doing the steroids, he does... He's not like... I mean, he does have crazy moments, like where you know a little bit of rage, roid rage, here and there. But he he has heart, and it's because you know he thinks he's rekindled, you know, found his son, found his missing son who's been missing for over a decade, and you know it's important. It's 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 harrowing, you know. It's uh, you know, I'm sure you know. I would, you know, I'd probably never be a father or a parent, but I have, uh, you know, I'm very close to some of my friends' kids and they view me as an uncle. And if I lost a kid, you know, for 10 years and found you, yeah, it's, it's just like, I can't imagine what that would feel like. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, it's, it's so weird. And then, um, she's able to play that up because she won't let him touch her. She won't let, she won't speak. Uh, she's very protective of herself, and he, in his head, at this point, because he wants to see this, he wants he wants his son to be alive. He wants to reconnect with his son. He wants closure for this horrible thing that's happened. And he just, you know, he tries to sweat, you know, assuage her to like, or him, you know, a Adrian, to like touch him and see his body and check him, and but he thinks that. You know, Adrian's freaked out from whatever torment he's been through in the, you know, 10 plus years he's been away. Right. So it kind of works in that way, in her favor, to kind of get some sort of leeway in, 
in all the like invasiveness, but he's mm-hmm. he's still pretty invasive either way. I don't know. He he bothered me a lot, even though he has a little bit of heart. Just how like he struck me as so volatile that I thought he was just gonna like snap at any moment. But maybe that's the roid rage thing. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah, so she's part of the she's part of the firemen team. What the hell? We have fire people here. Why can't I like think of <laughs> what do you call them? Firemen. Firemen. So what do you call a group of firemen? Firefighters. Firefighters. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm glad I'm going to put that out there for everyone to hear. Um, so firefighters. I definitely know what firefighters are. <laughs> so she's part of the fire. I want to say fire brigade because that's what they like say in the UK, right? I think so. Yeah. But so she's she's a firefighter and she meets all the other guys who think she's weird or he she is yeah. weird and mm-hmm. um, they don't know if she's a girl obviously mm-hmm. and um, yeah pretty much uh, boss boss daddy says talk about my son or else I'll fuck you up <laughs> yeah and yeah. super <laughs> so protective. they just have to kind of like they kind of riff on um, Adrian a little bit but they hold back enough not to get in trouble with their boss. Mm-hmm. So she becomes one of the guys. I don't know. Firemen in the UK party like crazy. Gotta say, is it <laughs> at is least it? portrayed by this movie? They have like raves in the like. <laughs> they go on to have these like rave dance parties mm-hmm. every other night at the firehouse, and uh, yeah. Well, we were talking about it during the movie. It's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a side note, but just like uh, I don't know, in other countries. It's much more open and okay to just be for men to be like more feminine, if that makes sense. Like men to just be you don't have to be like a a manly yeah. man. You know, like yeah. you can dance you can dance with each other. You can be a little more intimate with like touch and closeness. And it's not a weird thing. <laughs> Despite the the Vincent or not is that his name in the movie? Yeah, Vincent. The, son, the, despite the Vincent chief. being on like steroids and being like a manly man, he still has such soft moments with his team, with his crew, where they're mm-hmm. dancing and laughing and uh, it looks it almost looks a little erotic to me. I didn't mind that part. It, it, it Bunch was, of firemen. It, yeah, it was erotic and you know, it was homoerotic a little bit of it, but I mean it was but like you said, uh, and I think they're. I think it's pretty, more normal everywhere, but here we're so yeah. worried about everything not being manly in the U.S. that we've like we can't be vulnerable, right? So exactly. Well, it's we're we're having that battle. There's a lot of people out there, you know, and I support that. I support trans and gay rights, and if you know, identifying how you feel, you know, your gender identity. I'm all about that. You know, sometimes I'm still learning, so I always. And like, not like I'm a Luddite, but you know, you, you don't want to offend anybody and you want people to feel, you know, like they have their, their place in the world. And it's just different over there. I think it's France where this takes place. Um, mm-hmm. In like any European country, it just seems like people are more, are just used to it, more accepting of that. And we're getting there, but it's, it's way more stigmatized here. But yeah, it, but I, this movie, that's a good point you bring up. This movie is... It's just a, like an allegory for gender identity and identity in general and um, what it means to exist, uh, you know, and it's, 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 it's very weird. So the fire chief, Vincent's right hand man, eventually plugs in the pieces together that 
you know, she's, or she is she, like, she's not Adrian, she's Alexa. He puts together from, like, a sketch on the news that she looks, Ike squints his eyes, turns his head, it's her, you know what I'm saying? She didn't, he, her, his son just didn't come back out of nowhere, and, um, you know, he, he busts her balls about it, jokingly, <laughs> like, I know who <laughs> you are, or, like, why are you here, you know, you know, and just, yeah. like, and then she just no-sells it. She's just like, you know, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. One of the one of the greatest scenes, one of the greatest, like, moments in this movie for me is they have, like, this weird going back to the openness of male relationships, at least in this particular firehouse in, I believe, France. Uh, they have, like, this dance fight between... You know, Adrian and Vincent to, to She's Not There, uh, which is one of my favorite songs. And they're just like fighting. He's like, you know, fight me, you know. And then she has the opportunity to, you know, kill him and run away. And actually, she does run away you know, mm-hmm. at one point. Gets on, a bu- gets on a bus. There's a sweet girl on this bus who just gets heckled by this group of guys about them doing various sexual things to her against her will. And, and, and something sets off, something sets her off, Alexia off. Uh, Maybe she feels like protection, you know, some love is better than no love, even if it's how sick and twisted and, and, and it is maybe a survival thing, but I read it as, She's loved and she's accepted for this role she is playing. Even mm-hmm. though it's not really who she is, she's still feeling the genuine connection of love and and acceptance. And that's that's and what when you said earlier it's that this movie turns in ways that you don't expect it. It's just like it started out as this little girl who's disfigured has this, you know, Horrible accident, implant, sexual attraction to cars, <laughs> kills, and then it, and then she, and then it more, and out of survival, morphs to disguise herself as this probably dead, lost son of this fire chief, mm-hmm. and now she has she's growing into the role. Meanwhile, her body is deteriorating. There's metal, right. you know, starting to tear through her stomach. She has to tape her breasts down. She's just looking like emaciated and hurt. Every time we see her, you know, have to endure putting on this facade. Uh, yeah. What? How? How did you feel? I, I I started like as much as I didn't want to. You know, I don't want to ever sympathize with like a ruthless killer, but you start to you know think maybe maybe this is how we can fix her. You know, maybe this is how she becomes fixed. Like soul soul wise, she's broken, obviously. And maybe this connection with a real person is what she needs, you know? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's interesting, her being accepted for however she is um, and almost kind of, like, denying her old self, her physical body and (laughs) the pregnancy and stuff and this weird-ass pregnancy that, like, as all these different scenes and character development are going on, she's having, like, every night she's struggling with, like, oil i guess it would be oil 
yeah, oil, oil and coming stuff, out like, of... leaking out of her, and she's starting to, like, produce milk for this, like, baby that's coming, but it's, like, oil dripping out of her nipples. It's really, like, visually um, striking. <laughs> yeah, horrifying, but also, yeah, pretty horrifying. like, wonderful. Um, right. Eventually, the, the mother of this missing boy comes by mm-hmm. to see Adrian for herself. And she mm. instantly knows it's like for her, there's no grace period of like, maybe this is my son. She's like, no, it's not. She doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, so before she leaves, she's like, I'm booking it out of here. This is weird. <laughs> so before she leaves, she busts in to her room while she's trying. She, Alexia is having some sort of like contraction or like Braxton Hicks sort of weird complications going on with these Hot Wheels. <laughs> and and um yeah this woman busts in is like i know that you're not my son and whatever you're trying to pull or whatever weird shit's going on with you good luck just don't like fuck this guy over because he's a good guy in the end yeah don't you hurt know. my ex-husband don't hurt yeah don't don't <laughs> hurt him more just like you know whatever your deal is don't be a bitch right so yeah so then she just kind of leaves her there um, which mm-hmm. this whole thing looks painful. She's like getting these weird stretch marks and it's like tearing her skin a little bit here and there. And it's just super uncomfortable to look at. It looks really painful. It kind of reminded me of Chop Top from uh, Texas Chainsaw 2. And she's like digging at him and the metal starting to come oh, through. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She's like, it's very itchy and stuff. And she's like digging yeah. through her own skin and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty bizarre stuff. So, yeah, this kind of brings it to the climax. I mean, they have another party. <laughs> he he finds out. He finds out. He does find out that it's not his son. He he says, "I don't care what anybody says. You're my son." So he has this realization that it's probably not his son, mm-hmm. uh, or it's not his son. Um, and but he's still playing the part and he says i don't care what anybody says you're still my son then yeah they have the dance that you were going into the the fireman party yeah so they have this fireman party (laughs) again um which seems like a pretty regular occurrence (laughs) yeah and the song comes on and she gets all like from what i got from it she got kind of hot for the fire truck and just kind of enjoyed her old self she felt like she could be herself kind of Mm -hmm. or maybe she couldn't help it because she was just hot by the fire truck but so she got up on the fire truck and she did her like sexy dance routine that she did at the beginning of the movie and the the guys definitely notice (laughs) that it's unusual they're they're all into it like some of or some of them a lot of them are into it yeah a lot of them are finding themselves into it so it's like kind of confusing for them and also like one one of the men just doesn't he just knows something's not right. He right. he is like she kind of looks like that person that they're looking for, that like killer and something's up with this dude cuz he's just not right. So yeah, after that whole thing, the party kind of dies down and um and uh they go out on some more fire training the next day, which leads to an accident. Yeah, that guy. That. Yeah, that guy. Something happens, and um, his oxygen tent. I think it's his oxygen tank. It's too close to a fire. That's correct, or it catches on fire, right? Um, mm, I don't think that was quite it. 
They had to take some sort of explosive materials out of that trailer. Oh, yeah. The RV. Yes. And the uh, uh, fire chief, Vincent. Yeah. Like, hands it to him. They don't really, they don't show exactly what happens, but they implied that he, like, handed him something volatile and probably either knew it was going to explode oh, or that's, yeah, that's did right. it on purpose. There, yeah, it was an oxygen tank, but it wasn't his. It, yeah, that's right. It was an oxygen tank. Yeah, he handed it to him on purpose to blow him up, pretty much. Right. Because he was and talking shit about his son. Told him not to talk about Adrian. He's out of the equation. And she did bang the fire truck. Uh, in the other scene too. Oh yeah, yeah. Case didn't mean to gloss over that. She did. Yeah, she. So she is still <laughs> actively having sex. We don't know if it's consensual with automobiles. <laughs> yeah. So that dude's blown up. He's gone. Then we reach the one of the best climaxes ever <laughs> in a movie. Uh, she starts having contractions in the morning. Um, Vincent Buston, he sees what's happening. There's no longer denying, you know, it's not his son. He has to look it in the face and, you know, he keeps, he still calls her Adrian and she says, my name's Alexia. She's like, all right, Alexia, I'm going to help you. So he doesn't care. Like he's still there for her while she gives birth to this cool biomechanical baby like has a bio it she dies during childbirth the baby is born and the final shot is of vincent holding the newborn biomechanical baby with the side you know metal side plate and like a robotic spine um i'm just gonna give my final thought here on this movie i loved it it had so many weird twists and turns um i think a lot of there was a lot of, in my opinion, material things versus tan, you know, material things versus intangible things. So it was like cars and metal and steel and fire and all in all these material elements that you know hurt us and that we are affected by versus the intangible of grief and loss and love and hate and murder and, and rage and, and all this. So it was like, it, it almost seemed like they were separated. Like there were two different kinds of two sides of the spectrum. It's like, there was the real world that like everybody was affected by on a physical level. Um, hence her with the automobiles, hence him with the fire, you know, hence his body breaking down. Um, just, just all kinds of things. Like, there was a scene too that we glossed over that uh, he goes, she goes on a run with him, where he still thinks she's Adrian, and uh, the this is what set off the his assistant, his uh, you know next in charge is there. They go into a dead body who overdosed, who was living with his mom. His mom has a heart attack while he's working on the dead guy, trying to revive him. And he just so casually like kind of says, oh, shit, now we're losing her, too. What the fuck? And so he walks, you know, he walks Alexia, who he thinks Adrian, through reviving her. And she saves this old woman's life. So that was like another moment for her where I don't know. if I don't know if you call it redemption, but she went from she went from a life taker to a life giver. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was really cool. 
I mean, that's a very basic way to say that, but yeah. it was one of, one of the things that she she was this child or this creature, you know, this person born of grief, born of disorder, born of destruction in her lowest point or in her apex of violence transformed herself into what would eventually become the ultimate life bringer, a mother and mm -hmm. saving Vincent from his sorrow. So I thought that was like, it's going to sound fucked up for me to say, but I think it's a sweet movie. It's like it's <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. Yeah, she kind of becomes a life giver or life saver. Um, and in a more like vague way, I guess, if you want to really get into it, like she she um, gives second life to Adrian, who's more than likely probably long gone. But she gives his memory life <laughs> again, if you want to get like philosophical about other lives that she kind of gives back or she like, I mean, she kind of steals his life, but <laughs> but he's probably long gone. But like in an, in a weird way, she's has become him and gave his memory like life again. If you want to look at it like that, I will say uh, final ranking on this. I give it uh I'll say it's a four out of five star. We'll recommend it's on our list. So that's the first one on our marathon. Are you ready to move on or did you have anything else? Yeah, no, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite movie. I liked it, but I didn't love it is what I'll say. Okay. It was so cool. Strong, recommend strong recommendation from me. Brittany says, mm -hmm. okay, you know, it was all right, but good enough, good for a marathon. As long as you pair it with, um, make sure to put something like fun in there in between. Well, the next movie is Which something. Which we did not do. <laughs> it, well, I would consider it fun, but maybe not as light. Like I thought Matt and we're talking about Phil Tippett's 2021 glorious mad God. Mm -hmm. That's when it was finished. I saw it earlier this year. Um, yeah, this, this was made over decades like this is something that was his passion project he was going and working on all these great hollywood films you know for everybody else and had kind of pieces together over the years and then finally released it in its entirety this year so i uh was so excited to see this uh it was yeah over 30 years in the making and i'm i was a big fan of this but I want to hear what you had to say about this, Brittany. What did you think of my other pick that you picked off my list? <laughs> um, yeah, this one was a weird one. Um, I wouldn't say I loved this one either. Um, I definitely appreciate the artistry and the dedication to it. Um, yeah, it was strange. It was definitely a ride. It feels like a trip for sure. <laughs> like you you just kind of you have to go with it for you have to go with it like a lot of the things don't connect together some things do kind of overarchingly connect together but you just have to go with the flow because things just kind of change they the timelines jump around the um the scale jumps around this world seems like almost an infinite scale you can't ever really tell um how large <laughs> or small the main character is in this world if that makes sense 
Um, we follow uh, a man. We actually don't really know if he's a man, do we? We follow a entity that's dressed up. He almost looks like a fireman. <laughs> um, that's wearing like a gas mask and gets sent down into this world. Um, but it's it's just strange because you never. It's very unsettling because you never have anything to grasp. Um, you don't know where he stands in the world. You don't know where how big he is. Because he comes down, there's huge thing like creatures and stuff in the background, but then you see things that are much smaller than him. Um, yeah, it's just wild. The scale of this movie is pretty crazy, and I know it's been created over the course of like thirty years, um, but it's weird how many other mediums. Um, have come out that are that have super similarities to this. Like this didn't come out as far as I know to the general public until now, right? He finished different segments, right? He didn't release it all till now, so it's yeah, weird. Not, Sorry. No, I said just not. It wasn't presented as a whole finished product until now. Yes. Yeah. So the other parts weren't available for just anyone to watch. Uh, they uh, they may have been, but I did. You know, I haven't. You know, this is his complete vision. So gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no. So what? Um, what I'm trying to say with that is, um, uh, it says a uh, lot IMDb, of parts. Actually, I don't mean to cut you off, but it says over the years, filled on IMDb referencing IMDb. It says here over the years, Phil Tippett's released three short clips of this movie, which made up about half of the 82 minute full version that was eventually screened at various film festivals. So he released about half of it in snippets. Okay. Yeah, that makes me wonder if, like, some other um, movies and mediums and shows, like, got some inspiration from this, if they happen to see it. But um, as far as I know, they didn't. It's just a coincidence. But, yeah, there's a lot of things that have come out over the years that this reminded me of. Um, If anyone out there has played Bloodborne, which is, like, one of the best games ever... Um, definitely reminds me of that. There's some like serious Bloodborne similarities near the end, um, along with Little Nightmares. If anybody's played Little Nightmares out there, um, reminded me of that at the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah, tons of stuff. It it just it's a weird. It's definitely an amalgamation of a lot of things, and it's it's really cool. Um, again, I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing. I think the only way I would rewatch it would be if somebody else really wanted to experience it. And then I think I might, maybe I'd appreciate it a little more. Or if you were on acid. I don't know. That might be kind of unpleasant. uh, If you were on acid. Maybe shrooms. Uh, (laughs) Shrooms are a little bit like, I always describe it this way. um, And the people who get it, get it. But um, shrooms are a circle and acids like, a spiky star. <laughs> yeah. So like if a, you don't, if you feel me, you feel me. But I feel like shrooms might be a better ride on this one. My official recommendation. <laughs> As I check my notes here for Mad Gun, I've, I, we're gonna have a little fun. I'm just okay. gonna do word word association here and tell okay. me what you think. Okay. Um, here's some of the notes I wrote while watching this, and mm-hmm. I, I. 
want everybody to watch this. I want. I think everybody should experience this movie. I'm going to go in and say it was like my official review is it was like every 90s stop motion music video you wanted to see mashed into one. <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, Explorer Map. That was, that was, so here's some of the things I gleaned from. The, ex- the Explorer's Map, I guess his name is The Assassin, according to IMDb. The Assassin. What's his name? Is the Assassin. Assassin. Okay. I thought he was more of an explorer than an assassin. But he did have a he did have a bomb. Um, so here's some notes I took. Uh, electrocution shit people. Um, baby voiced monster god. Uh, hop hop in anytime if you have any comments on any of these. Oh sure. Uh, sure. Uh, assassin. I said explorer, but explorer caught vivisect. Uh. So he was vivis he was vivisected at one point where he's caught. I have to I I want to elaborate a little on that oh, electrocution. That was him? <laughs> yes, that was or that was maybe not him, or, but an, some sort of explorer. No, that was him. him. That was okay. him. That was him. Um, he, so the electrocution shit people. There were <laughs> creatures that were being electrocuted to the point where they were shitting out people, and through a various step. Almost like a Rube Goldberg process, mm-hmm. these faceless, nameless lemming people were being created out of the shit of these electrocuted <laughs> giants. Yeah. Um, and then the um, flashback with the Nazi scientists. Oh, the spine baby. When they vivisected the, when they vivisect the assassin, as his name is. Now, there's a little spiny creature baby that is taken out of him, and then the nurse takes him to this, what I thought was the coolest creature design, almost like a plague doctor slash night witch with bones like hanging and kind of like floated through all these different um, scenarios and scenes. And it's just something you got to watch this backdrop to where, you know, he delivers this, uh, delivers the spine baby. Um, that part reminded me of Bloodborne. Like that when was, he once played like the wet nurse near the end, yeah, and then yeah. when the guy's reborn into this little yeah. baby, she's right. like the caretaker. They so that was okay. Now I have to check out Bloodborne. Uh, there's a Nazi scientist uh, mm-hmm. in a post post apocalyptic wasteland. All kinds of tanks everywhere, uh, and on one of the walls, there's graffiti that reads. Joel is a retard, not retard, but retard. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there, there was endless chasm. Like I said, the doc, the doctor, voodoo plague doctor. I have written here. Um, there's battling monkey shocks. So there was a scene where these two monkey-looking creatures of that were um, being controlled by this doctor were just beating each other to death with shovels as they were being electrocuted. It was it was very disturbing, but very cool to watch. Um, there's a little rat gnome. Uh, he was this, like, creature that had, like, all these boils all over his face. He kind of looked like Hoggle from Labyrinth, but very disturbing. <laughs> but then he had created this... It looked, like, beautiful at first, like this cool neon world. 
But then it was yeah. very horrible because there he released a like a wiry head creature that came out and snatched one of the I think it was baby. the child. Yeah, one of the ba- the babies of baby snatcher. It was a baby snatcher, and then the mother just had this weird, oh no, like it it, <laughs> it, it, it fucked me up. That was her response. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then ultimately, the spine baby that was vivisected from the assassin is melted down into some kind of alchemy and shot into the universe into like this cosmic <laughs> diamond dust to create another universe. That yeah. is the narrative I've got. That's that's the all the notes I took. I can't do this justice. It's that's like if you took if, if if you took Pink Floyd's like if you took like the feeling of Pink Floyd's The Wall and like the like tool like the prison sex video and Alice in Chains I Stay Away video and any cool like stop motion liquid television 90s underground craziness and had it shaped through the mind of a man who worked on RoboCop 2 and Jurassic Park and Star Wars <laughs> that's what this movie is so as I was scouring some of the reviews after I watched it again on Letterboxd uh, one of them actually to paraphrase here says um, the big ass monster had diarrhea that was licked off by a creature, and then again proceeded to have explosive diarrhea all over his face. And just kind of like a hmm emoji. Uh, There was one girl that stated, uh, I'm more of a cum girl than a shit girl. Not for me, but (laughs) I thought it was all right. Uh, And another one uh, said, it's like Searching live leaks 10 Benadryls deep. So <laughs> if those aren't resounding reviews, you know, I took a little artistic liberty, but if those aren't <laughs> resounding reviews to watch this film, I don't know what to tell you. My final thought on it, I can't say, I can say it was a visually striking movie. I can't say it made a lot of sense. It's, and a lot of it was egregiously gross and disturbing, but I enjoy that kind of thing, but I wouldn't call it a grand narrative, but I think it's a technical marvel. And I thought like a lot of the, like the droning sound that roped you into the world, music was good. I dug that. I dug the visuals. So I think it's fun. And I think it's probably, I think I saw it first, uh, maybe under the influences, uh, in a state where, where where it was legal. So don't, (laughs) so I may have seen this a little inebriated, so I dug it more then, but I still liked it. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's definitely a movie and it's worth checking out. And I'd like to hear everybody's opinions on that one. So that's my final thought on that. Yeah, it was definitely a movie. Sound was super good. Um, in a weird way, it made me nostalgic for like 10 other things that are similar to it. Um, not movies, but as I mentioned, like Bloodborne, uh, Little Nightmares, Fallout, Stalker, you know. So it made me like think of all of those things because it was very like similar um, and just weird, I, especially Little Nightmares. If you haven't played that, that's that definitely has like the weirdness to it. Like the characters, all these weird, like gross, grody, like covered in like dirt and shit. 
monsters <laughs> that are just kind of roaming around and you do not want to get caught by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely reminds me of a lot of those things. So it's definitely an experience. I think it's worth doing or not doing. I don't know. It feels like you did something after watching it. You needed. Um, it feels like you needed to take a shower after watching it. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's worth taking a watch, um, but just be in the mood for that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Like just all style, some substance, <laughs> in my opinion, and some good sound design. So, it's cool. It's a crazy technical feat. The artistry, like I said, the artistry in it is incredible. A lot of artistry, a lot of fun put into it. You know, more more sizzle than steak. But this was like, you know, the dirty, grimy, nasty sizzle. You know, uh, so soul crushing existentialism mirrored with dirty, grimy, shitty, the worst kind of viscera you can say. But I would recommend it. Um, and it sounds like you're in on that recommend just even if it's just for one watch do it on to our next film uh eden lake which was one of the films that you had picked that i picked off your list um i'm gonna say up front this movie was fucking great i am so (laughs) bad at myself for sitting on this for so long uh i thought the pacing was amazing it's an early uh, performance from michael fassbender uh, as a writer-director, James Watkins, um, I'm going to check out some of his other stuff. I'm not sure what else is he d- he's doing. Uh, he looks like he did Woman in Black, McMafia, and he did a movie with Idris Elba called The Take. So I'll check out all that because I thought this guy had great pacing, great shot uh, choices. Uh, it's insane. Uh, since you picked the movie, do you want to set up the story? Sure. It's a movie about a couple. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what um, the Fastbender's character does for a living. Um, I don't remember if they stay, say, but his name is Steve. And his girlfriend's name is Jenny. But Jenny is definitely a, like, a elementary school teacher. So she works with kids. She seems like a great kindergarten teacher, super sweet. Um, I feel, like, very wholesome. Um, but she can also be sexy, too, which we see. Uh, so the setup is the, this couple and, um, Steve wants to take Jenny to a, they want to camp or something. They're just having a weekend away pretty much. And he's like, I got this cool spot. It's like off the grid. Um, no one will bother us. It won't be like full of people, blah, blah, blah. So I think technically they're trespassing. Yeah, they they are. Yeah. So they drive into um, this little town in the boonies. There's some like, just like shithead kids, like a little gang of kids on bikes that pull out in front of their car and they're just like, oh, that's annoying. But just move on with their life and go uh, continue on. I think they get like breakfast um, at a little diner. You know, it's definitely one of those small, like one stoplight or one or two stoplight towns, it seems like out in the boonies. And they're just like, okay, we don't like quite fit in here. And he kind of says something to offend the waitress <laughs> about the shithead kids. And um, but anyway, that's the yeah. Thing. She's just like she's just like yeah, not my kids. My kids, not my kids. <laughs> yeah, right. my yeah, my kids aren't assholes. Right, right. So anyway, they they stop there and get something to eat, and then they continue on with their trip. So they end up at Eden Lake, and they're trying to enjoy themselves. 
and a group of uh, teenagers. I'm really bad at being able to tell how old kids are. I think they're like, I think they're like tweens. Yeah, maybe like 13. Maybe 14, like 12 to 14 or something. That's kind of how it seems. Um, Yes. So just like a group of like obnoxious ass kids, you know, like as we all were at some point. So they're just trying to enjoy themselves. These loud ass shithead kids are hanging out and smoking and thinking they're cool, blasting their boombox, you know. By the way, I don't know what year they think this is taking place in. I guess 2008, a boombox wouldn't have been out of the question, but. <laughs> these kids were retro. Yeah. Yeah, these kids were retro before retro was retro. But the the biggest thing that ages the movie is the phones. So there's like a, it almost looks like Blackberries that they're using or some sort of similar equivalent. Anyway, so these kids show up and they're like causing a disturbance and they have a loud ass semi-aggressive Rottweiler. That really aggressive. Them. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was like, in a weird way, she wasn't that aggressive until she was egged on. You know, the dog really takes on the urgency of the group of kids, you know. You know, dogs get excited. But, I mean, the, the dog was curious, um, kept bothering the couple on, mm-hmm. while they're trying to sunbathe and um, just barking, you know, not the most aggressive thing ever. But, yeah, that's kind of how it all starts. So um, Steve starts to get annoyed at these kids, but they try and brush it off and just have a good weekend. And they have a slight altercation with the kids um, on the first day. And it seems to be wrapped up and everything's fine. They leave. They camp out for the night, which seems awful to me. That sounds like a terrible trip, personally. <laughs> it seems very unsafe to begin with. Camp out uh, camp out in uh, forbidden territory, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like two yuppies, you know, like out in the boonies trespassing. You know, I don't think this sounds like something I would want to do, um, at least out in the United States. Or maybe in this country either. I'm not sure where they are. I can't remember exactly where. Um, it's either Australia. I think Just it's Australia. Somewhere over there. But yeah, the U.S., you'd get shot probably the moment you trespassed. So yeah, anyway, so that's the setup. They have a nice night together. Steve, so Steve, uh, their first night after they resolve everything, Steve, you know, horror movie cliche. He He's uh, like, oh, I hear something. I got to go outside. And spooks spooks Jenny before bursting back into the tent and tickling her <laughs> until they start banging. So <laughs> that's the way to do it. I don't know it. how much better you can get when you camp. You know, that's yeah. It's pretty much required when you camp. Yeah. Uh, so I so yeah. I think this girl looked like maybe your British sister. I think you could be related oh, yeah, to her. That. This is uh, yeah. Kelly Kelly Riley. And uh, Michael Vassbender is pretty much a twin for me, especially in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like dick kids. They steal Fassbender's car. Um, so he goes in and he's being like ultra passive. He's like, we'll get a new car. Let's just get the fuck out of here. I mean, they're concerned and stuff. You know, they're, well, they're trying. The next and then morning they fi- this happens, right? Or the next yeah, day this yeah. happens, right? The next day they steal his car. Yeah. But then at some point they're like, fuck it. But then they come across the kids they're at a fire. He's trying to get his ship back, his phone, his car, and then the dog attacks him, you know, and then he kills their dog. That's really the kickoff. It set, yeah, sets off this chain of events where uh, Brett is the leader of these fucking hooligans. It's, you know, I don't remember, you know, you know, you really don't learn their names, but um, he's just like this psychopathic asshole. And um, 
you know, they sneak. At one point, they find where the kids live. They sneak into the house, but then the, or where the kids are hanging out. But then the dad comes home, and you can tell, like, his father is really abusive. So you kind of feel bad for him at first, but then things keep escalating. Uh, to, there's this kid that she finds out in the woods. At one point, he gets kidnapped or not kidnapped, but captured by these kids and tortured. She finds this kid out in the woods earlier that says he doesn't want to talk to strangers. Now she's just trying to get him to help, but he's afraid of the bullies. Uh, then we see, you know, them torturing the fucking Michael Fassbender. It's fucking awful. These kids are really, like, it shows you, like, how dangerous. Like herd mentality. Yeah, how dangerous herd mentality is. How dangerous, like, bullying it like people always like we live in a very anti-bullying society now and like you know we used to live in a society where boys were boys and now like people are very litigious and take bullying seriously after such things as columbine and and things like that and all these massive school shootings which are awful that's not necessarily kids shooting up schools though but uh but we've had that in the past where you know kids feel ostracized or bullied and they shoot up schools or bullies just beat up kids or attack kids and this movie is like got that you know definitely has that feel it's got that feel I don't know if he was trying to go for that but it's definitely saying like children you know children can be ruthlessly brutal and ruthlessly influencing and you know it's so you know when you get to a formative age like that it's so dangerous to be to go down that rabbit hole, to go down that path, because it can really turn you into a dark and evil person. Or, you know, it could go from being a hooligan to a serial killer, you know, a ma- mm-hmm. a ma- or a murderer. And it's the, it, it, this movie toes that line so gorgeously and so, like, beat by beat, things just keep escalating and escalating. Fastbender gets kidnapped and he gets stabbed. And they, they you know, she, she has to, like, hide in this weird dot shed with a dock and actually go down into this like dirty water with him with a gaping open wound <laughs> like terrible the wound, yeah. terrible wound obviously getting infected uh in the in doing this she finds out that he was going to propose to her she says yes so that's like his whole plan was to take her out on this like forbidden you know this <laughs> this forbidden land and proposed her and then these kids show up with their boombox and their dog and steal their car Screw he kills their up. dog <laughs> it, 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 yeah just it just goes to shit it's like murphy's law everything that could go wrong went wrong oh yeah at, yeah at one point on the at one point in the film uh they captured both of them they captured jenny and steve and the kids fucking set them on fire mm-hmm. they set them on fire and then there's the the kid that she had run into in the woods that was just this unassuming kid who was saying he was waiting for his mom to pick her up. And he's there, and he's just watching all this happen. And, uh, you know, and he, the one leader, uh, Brett, he tells the, one of the other kids uh, to ask her if it's hot. Like, not at this point. It's not just they're, they're just killing people. He He's not just being... It's not just vengeance. It's sadism. Like, he's getting off on... Her like ass telling his fucking little group of bastards <laughs> like ask her like torture her as she's burning alive as they're burning alive ask her if it's hot and it's, yeah it's it's one of the most 
harrowing and fucking disturbing points in the movie, but I, it was one of my favorite scenes because it was truly horrific. Uh, but then uh, she, you know, the ropes, you know, the ropes burn and she gets out and madness ensues. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jump one in the, anytime. Oh, yeah, no. One of the most, like, <laughs> one of the most terrible moments I think of the movie is right here when she does get away um, from the the bonfire, the human bonfire. Um, the uh, our our main boy, I think Brett is his name, is yes. the gang leader. Yeah. Brett kind of yells out to her as she's running away, and he pretty much says, "Like if you don't get back here right now, we're gonna kill this kid, the mm-hmm. the the little kid that didn't want to talk to strangers, just waiting for his mom. I think he's probably just a local kid that like knows of this gang." Of kids and is probably scared of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's how I. Got that's why I took. Roped into it all, you know. Yeah. Um, but they're like, we're we're gonna burn him if you don't come back. And she either, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, um, there's no way I would like hear. First of all, hear these kids saying that or register what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she she doesn't turn around and come back, whether she doesn't hear them or she's just too traumatized to like register. So the next thing you see just from like her perspective in the woods through some branches is them putting a tire around this kid's head and like setting his head on fire. And it's just so heartbreaking how the most like terrible screams, like little kid screams, breaks my heart to listen. Like so like his his scream acting was on point. Cause it sounds like a little kid being having his face set on fire. It's so sad. So they they burn this like other kid alive pretty much because she doesn't come back. Right. So sad. I was going to say, it's it's weird. It's almost a, a, as much as the story focuses on that couple. It's almost mm-hmm. like um, a shitty, <laughs> a coming of age story about Brett. You know, mm-hmm. like the group of kids that surround him, I think, are just kind of bystander effecty. Mm-hmm. Like they're just kind of there and are scared of him and get roped into it. But Brett the leader has i don't think he's ever gone this far before which is implied Mm -hmm. he's never like maybe he's beat up some kids and he's a little rough and talks a lot of shit you know but he's never gone this far before so i feel like it's almost a a coming of an age film for him (laughs) right a dark age yeah dark age um like him almost realizing that he is a psychopath maybe or like yeah. most psychopaths don't think they are but like you know you know what i mean like it's coming of age he's realizing he's coming into like yes this is some i like this in a sadistic way and like these people back me up and i'm gonna get away with it you know i i never really noticed that before but you're right like in the modern conventions of film you know we're like okay this is our girl this is our final girl so, you know, Jenny, you know, we do follow her and she is like the main protagonist, but it kind of also becomes his story as well. Like the more the more that the violence and vengeance and insanity escalates, you know, brutality escalates, the more we see, you know, the more we see Brett like spiral and get a realization. And it really it really caps off. Um at the end, but before that, when they go back to the scene with the where they burn the kid alive, the way it's shot, it's not shot head on with like the camera right on the you know act of him burning. It's shot like you said, which I thought was like made it even more 
real and horrific and great is it's shot like at a distance so it's not it's in the background you hear the kid and you see his head but you don't you just see enough of it it's not gratuitous but you see enough of it to where your head fills in it because she's because we're getting away from that we're following her but i loved i loved that choice for the shot i thought it was it would have been real easy to like focus on the kid burning and make it gratuitous and it was it, it wasn't gratuitous but it was still horrific and you know jarring at the same time yeah, very, his screams like, were more disturbing than seeing anything i think yeah correct when, when your head was plugging in from those few you know moments of what you saw on the screen was yeah. you know, it, what the screaming was it was the trick and i thought that was amazing i, I mean as horrific as that sounds but i thought for the effect <laughs> i think it was very effective um yeah i love that so um we so she finally she she gets to a path you know she she steps on one of the a trap right yeah yeah like a hunting yeah yeah a hunting trap goes through her fucking foot it's disgusting she fucking pushes it out of her fucking foot giant hole in her foot it's so gross like it's clearly getting infected she comes along they're aware they're following her blood trails she finds a map because she's lost in the woods no cell phone no car nothing so she finds like the park map of where they're at she steals she does she takes that and then like hides in like a dumpster like full of shit and you know disgusting refuse and stuff and then one of the one of the kids there is a kid who is very being for you know he seems like he's very against all this and she ends up killing that kid like he was probably the one that was the most remorseful and didn't want to be a part of it also why they burn why they burn steve alive is important to the plot point is he's having the girl um i believe her name's Paige, of the of the hooligans film so on the old ass camera so like we were saying like <laughs> how much how much footage can those old camera 2008 cameras oh, yeah. Old, uh, yeah it's like a little like nokia looking thing from 2008 and she's like filming all this stuff happening to incriminate the whole group pretty much to locked into not turning on each other pretty much but yeah these phones she had the biggest st sd card that existed in 2008 because she was filming all day. <laughs> right. Yeah, she the never-ending SD card. But other than that, like, I mean, it, it was believable. Uh, Jenny, so we, we find out, like, one of, I believe it was the kid's brother who was murdered, correct? Yeah. Yeah, just come pick him up. They're all Thanks. supposed to be home by now. She gets in, she gets in his car and steals his car and then sees Paige and fucking runs her over and kills her. In the middle of the road. Yeah. And, Which is a nice and, vengeance moment because it's like, hell yeah, here we go. Yeah, you're like, fuck yeah, you know, let's you know, let's do it. She's covered in mud. She looks like shit. Her, her, she witnessed a kid murder. She had to kill two kids, you know, just for survival. And then she comes upon this house, which she doesn't recognize, but I knew immediately it was the house they had been in before where, you know, Brett had lived uh, and comes across... I don't know. Was it like a key party? It was just a bunch of backwoods yokels hanging out, yeah. getting drunk, getting drunk, probably doing bunch of drugs, yeah, you know. Do, doing a bunch of drugs, and then they just stop flat in their tracks and like, holy shit, we gotta help this lady. What the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And then the kids come home. She goes to use the bathroom to clean herself up, 
once again, such an effective shot because we don't see the kids telling them what happened. We hear, get the fuck out of there, you fucking bitch. Like, it, the way it was, it's, it was, this movie's so realistic because it's just, like, so well-directed, so well-paced, well-acted. Like, I, once again, underrated. Like, this is going in my top, I'd say top 20 movies. I just thought it was harrowing. It was constantly... It reminded me of a throwback to like the seventies exploitation movies of like, which what I didn't like about those movies was like the rape. I mean, you know, those movies are what they are. Like, you know, I get I spit on your grave is cool because it's about and it's become viewed more of as an empowering movie. I just don't like to watch women raped in films, but I think yeah. it was in that vein, you know, where this woman you think this woman's going to get revenge and she's going to take vengeance for all this wrongdoing that like these. You know, essentially young criminals have done against her but yeah. in the most like well do you you want to tell the ending because you picked this film so i'm sure you have something to say yeah so we're getting <clears throat> we get a little bit of this revenge she's finally getting help so she's laying on the couch traumatized she's like get some cops here let's you know let's go you're like seconds away from getting the help that she needs and um She's just laying on the couch and she sees a dog and she sees the dog go over to eat food or drink some water. She sees the dog bowls pretty much. There's a shot of dog bowls and the dog bowls say Bonnie and Clyde. And she's like, oh, shit. (laughs) That was her first major hint that this is Brett's house and this is going to be a problem um, because Bonnie's dead. (laughs) And that's the only thing that makes sense right now is that this is his house. So... Um, that's when I think the kids start coming home. You know, you see it from her point of view. So, like, you don't hear really what they're saying, but you see the kids start, like, pointing at um, her and they're saying something and she's pleading to one of the women, like, oh, I need to go to the... I need to get me into the bathroom to clean up. I'm like, you know. So, at that moment, the women are still being very helpful to her, Uh trying to get her cleaned up to the bathroom. Like, don't crowd her. Don't smother her. Something's happened. Um, So they kind of help her get to the bathroom. And like you were saying, um, you don't hear the conversation, but you hear commotion building on the other side of the door. Uh And um, and she knows (laughs) she's in the bathroom and she knows that they know and she's trying to find a way out. No, no window in there. And she's trying to find ways to protect herself from the bathroom because she knows things are going to get hostile (laughs) Uh Um, from here. So you're like, oh, shit, this is going to be like a bloodbath, which was my thought originally. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's going to like bloodbath her way out of here. And it's going to be like it's going to rock. Nope, (laughs) that doesn't happen. She they bust open the door. There's like women, this woman screaming, uh, Paige's mom. Um, Uh And you can tell they casted her so well because she looks just like the daughter. Uh I wonder if it's like her actual mom. Yeah, so she's, like, screaming and crying, and there's people, like, obviously they, they found out what happened. And, um, you know, this little boonie town, uh, they stick together. So whatever sort of lies that the um, kids spun, uh, which uh-huh. was something like, oh, I think one of the guys comments, like, oh, our kids told you what you and your sick, like, sick boyfriend did out there you know or something so you can assume that they just lied and said that this couple did something horrible so yeah anyway these yeah they're pissed and this um this little town sticks together so 
They're like, uh, they pretty much say, uh, bitch, you're fucked. <laughs> so she tries to fight him off and it just really, there's not much fighting off. You know, she's weak. She's gone through all this stuff. And at least three dudes that bust into the bathroom and slam the door shut. And um, the next thing you see in here is like Brett going upstairs. Um, he stole some Ray-Bans from Steve. Steve's character, um, and he like he's standing in the mirror, admiring himself with these like Ray Bans, mm-hmm. and um, just in the background you can hear uh, Jenny just like screaming, and it's like also amazing acting, scream acting, same as that little kid, because the way she screams is just so, uh, it just like sucks everything out of you. <laughs> it's uh-huh. such a sad ending because like you had so much like hope for her. And you're really hoping for, like, some sort of revenge or retribution or something like that. And it's total despair. Like, you hear her screaming and you know that, like, the worst possible things are probably happening to her in that little bathroom. And that you just kind of hear it muffled in the background while freaking Brett is checking out his sunglasses, like, proud of himself for everything that's happened. Um, kind of coming into his own, you know? Yeah. He's, he's realized that... Um, I like this, and I can probably do it again. I can probably get away with it because this whole town is going to back me up. Yeah, it's it's violence begets violence. His dad is shitty to him, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, you know, you kind of get the idea that these, they're all all these people are hanging out, and it just seems like they're up to no good. I, it doesn't seem like they're their parent. Maybe their parents were kind of in a gang, and then the kids are like the second generation of. Like right. the gang, you know what I'm saying? Cause That's the parents, exactly how it's portrayed, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe had the situation been different, they would have just taken care of this lady. But since, you know, you fuck with ours, you kill our kids, you, you know, you killed our kids, you're done, you know? And yeah. I think one of the cool, what I took from it is, I, I thought what was cool is, um, what I, it's kind of like a class almost like class wars because it's like you were saying I don't want to say they were snobby but they were like upper, upper middle class people against <laughs> like hooligans against like these street kids and yeah. it's kind of like a, to me it was like a statement on that like you know you're safe you're used to being you know safe within at that point in your school so they have better school systems over there but you're safe being a teacher and you're safe with your Material, you know, you're materialistic and you're, you know, white bread fantasies and, you know, and you're in the real world now. You're in the woods. And I think that's why the woods was a good setting. It's like you're in nature and like in nature, you know, humans are the most dangerous animal, you know, we're, yeah, you know, we're, we're the hunters, you know, we're, we know the different, you know, nature is just nature. Like animals just hunt because it's instinct. We're the only creature that knows better and we still kill. So, mm-hmm. and to put that through the lens of children doing that, like escalating things and not only doing it, getting off on it. And it's, it's, it's really like, It's a real cool, dark, twisted 
movie and it's got teeth and it really bites and sticks with you. So I'm going to, um, I don't probably know. for personal reasons, because I personally almost only give a four out of five. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Four stars out of five, maybe four and a half. I don't know. I wouldn't give it a five. I don't know why. I can't say why though. Five stars to movies that have like a more of a sci-fi to them, along with this. So if this had a sci-fi element to it, I might give it five. But I think it's a personal reason. I don't think it's not a five-star movie. Just for me personally, I, I would give it four, four and a half, which is the best you can get without being in my like top tier. Yeah. If 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 Brett would have had tentacles coming out of his head, it would have been five. <laughs> maybe. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I just okay. want to say one last thing. It's like it's super sad that. Well, I think they. Well, I think they obviously did this on purpose. But she was a teacher, you know. She like taught kids, and she saw them as innocent, you know. And to have like her downfall be a bunch of children, you know. And I think about that sometimes, even before I've seen this movie. It's like, oh yeah, like kids, whatever. Like, I'm not worried about like some kids, you know. If I'm walking down the street, I'm like, I'm probably more nervous about like a big dude walking towards me than like a group of four or five young teenagers. But in a way, <laughs> a group of teenagers can do just as much damage um, or more, you know, than anything. I'm, but I feel I'm so bad because she was like a, a teacher and stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, my downfall is going to be the thing that I'm passionate about. Right. Well, I'm an, I'm becoming an old man, so I'm terrified of kids. Kids are, you know, <laughs> terrified of children. I, I, I children are the most terrifying thing to me. I'll say that right now. <laughs> but, but you know what's more terrifying than children? Annihilation. Mm. Yes. And the and the threat of annihilation of our entire world as we existed. And speaking of nature, what if we woke up one day and something? extraterrestrial landed on this earth and started remixing nature did its own personal little remix of our dna and <laughs> we got to explore with that explore that and deal with the repercussions of what may be coming our way Brittany, this was the other movie that i picked off of your list would you like to set us up for annihilation uh from director alex garland Starring Natalie Portman. Um, I'm glad that you put this on the list. I'm glad I picked it. But give me a little uh, of your spin on this one. Yeah. So I was hoping you would pick it. Because <laughs> I've been trying to get this to watch it for a long time. So, um, yeah. As I said, super into sci-fi horror. And this definitely has um, a bit of a cross between a lot of things. Um, you could say maybe it's a slower burn than some other things but um yeah annihilation um based off of a book uh the book is not uh the book and the movie are very different and it's mm -hmm. very much on purpose it's not one of those things where alex garland tried to make it as close to the book as possible and miss the mark he read the books and was like eh this isn't going to work for a movie, so I'm just going to do kind of what I want. And um, I know it's a big point of contention in general, 
book movies, you know, made from books. But um, I usually try not to compare those things. <laughs> and I think this is one of the best movies based on a book. Um, as long as you're not expecting it to be exactly like the book. I don't know. Well, I guess you could always say that for everything, but I think it holds its own. Even if you don't even know books exist, I think it could stand alone. And the changes he made made it a film. <laughs> if you don't know books exist in general, like you're just illiterate and unaware of the existence of written word and pages. <laughs> if you don't know about books, they're kind this of is a good thing. movie. And I think that should I think that should be your uh, I think that should be a review of this movie. If you don't know about books, this movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's a very ringing endorsement. Yes. of uh, of this film. Yeah, so um, that's the first thing I'll say about it, is if you have read the book, it's very different, but I also think it's equally as good um, in a different way. So just think of it as an alternate timeline. Since you're very versed in the book and the film, would you mind walking us through kind of the uh, skeleton of the structure here of the movie? Uh, I'll give it a shot. I'm not the best at that. The, the movie is about a biologist... Natalie Portman, also known as Lena in the movie. And um, she signs up for an expedition to go into this um, like mysterious zone, I guess, <laughs> like a bubble. This mm -hmm. this area that's off limits that um, is kind of hidden from the public. Uh, actually, honestly, the, the characters don't know what's in there because nobody's mm -hmm. ever come out. So she signs up to go on this expedition into this mysterious zone. And that's kind of the premise. Um, mm -hmm. The kickoff to that is her husband went into the zone before her, mm -hmm. um, disappeared to the point where they thought he was dead, um, shows back up, <laughs> I think maybe like a year later or something, a, long, a while later they thought he was dead. Yeah. Um, so he shows back up and that kind of kicks things off. That's how she discovers there is a zone. Um, her husband's having weird issues with his biologically with his body. He's not quite right. Um, he can't remember things. He's acting very weird. So she gets her husband back. Um, but yeah, it kind of sparks her to go into this zone. She needs to know what happened in there. Um, to help her, I guess, kind of reconnect with her husband and understand what's going on. So I guess that's the skeleton of it without yeah. telling the whole plot yet. But. Yeah. Well, he 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 he's dying because he has an attack. Essentially, spoilers, but we're going deep dives. But yeah, he has like this weird attack, and they don't know. They can't figure out what's wrong with him, and then she, she gets transported with him to the hospital. But then they get intercepted by this government group, which we're not sure. I wasn't sure you had read the book and seen the film, obviously, but. I wasn't sure exactly, you know, are they going to kill this woman? What's going on? And then Jennifer Jason Lee plays this doctor, Dr. Ventress, and uh, who I love. I love Jennifer Jason Lee. The casting in this movie is fucking awesome. Yeah. I got she's Jennifer a psychologist, in by the way, in the, in the movie. Oh, psychologist. Okay. So that so is she's, a doctor, but just not like a medical doctor, just to put Yeah, she's doctor of psychology, because they're kind of in a conundrum what, what to do with Lena, uh, because... <laughs> she has been exposed to what they call the shimmer, the zone, 
Um, she's been exposed to someone that could come out of the Shimmer, which was her husband, Kane, who she'd been waiting on. And, and then the, um, and in the time that he had been gone, she was very depressed and she actually had, uh, she hooked up with this other guy named Daniel, um, who, you know, was also married and they had like this affair, but then obviously she showed like some, you know, regret over that and was just like, I think she was just horny. She was just horned up. Uh, yeah. Can't blame and, but I don't blame her. And then she saw her, you know, she thought her husband was dead and he just shows up. He's sick. She's, she's trapped. She's, um, I de- you know, she's quarantined essentially, but we do it in the beginning of the movie. It starts out. She's being interviewed by Benedict Wong, who I love, who plays, mm-hmm. um, who, pl- who actually plays Wong in, uh, in the Doctor Strange movies, so which I I I love him and everything, but uh, and the rest of the MCU he's in a few different things, but mostly in the Doctor Strange movies. Uh, he's great. He's interviewing her like because she had. So we're finding out through her dictating to him. It's not like a voiceover, but she's going back and re- retelling the story of how she returned because we find out that she had returned from the shimmer and the things yeah. that had gone yeah, you, on. You know that early on that she makes it out, I guess. Yeah. Because of the way they tell the story. But yeah. That's how the whole story is told. Yeah. That's how it's, fr- that's a, no, you're fine, but that's how it's framed. And it's like her oral history of the events that it led up into her going into there. But uh, Tessa Thompson's in this, who I recently saw um, Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson together in the new Thor movie. Uh, Love and Thunder, so that was kind of cool to go back and watch them act opposite each other in this too. And I'm a big fan of Tessa Thompson; she's great in Westworld. She's awesome. Um, she, anything she's in, I'm a fan of. I liked her in this. I actually like Oscar Isaac. I think he's amazing in a lot of the stuff he's in. Um, but yeah, it was it was just cool, and it's just all these other girls, uh, these uh, two other women, so a total of four women, and the five psychologist. in the five in the movie, four in the book. Sorry. Okay. Say that. Say the books are. But yeah, there's five women that go into the shimmer together, uh, and they're all from different fields of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that uh, Natalie Portman, via killing a crocodile that attacks them early on in their expedition, we find out she was in the army, and that's how she had met her husband. So not only is she super intelligent, because she actually we she is a genealogist is that correct she's a biologist a biologist she's a biologist yeah. and she studies she specifically studies cells right so, yeah cellular structure yes yeah. like how cells interact and how cells break down then so she's trying to cure her husband because uh kane is dying from his exposure to being in the shimmer is what they think is going on so that's right why he's having total she organ is. failure so yeah, she's like, I so, gotta go in there and find out like how I can save him, pretty much. Right, and so there are other, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee's character wants to go in there because you know her from what she tells us, from what we glean from her discussions, is that she's sent people in and seen them come out or not come back or you know, no, no one's ever come back until Kane came back, mm-hmm. and she keeps sending people, you know, to their deaths. So I. 
initially thought that she was like getting some regret. So she's like, well, now it's my time. Later, we find out it's a little bit different than that. Mm -hmm. And then she sends in, you know, this group of women, the first group of women to go into the shimmer together. Yeah. They come across a nasty alligator, which Lena kills. Yeah, that's one of the first things they come across. <laughs> well, that's the first, like, animal, major animal they come across. Um, so, so the women start their journey. They cross the shimmer. They, um, it's implied that they've been there for a few days um, in the first scene after they pass through the barrier. Um, which is super cool, by the way. The way they visualize the barrier in the movie it looks like a bubble. You know how it's kind of like, or like oil. You know, like it's yes. like sh shimmery. Um, but it's like a bubble, like with the blues and oranges. And, um, so they pass through that, and then they, the next shot, they wake up, and you instantly know that something strange about their memory because they don't know how long they've been there. Uh, so they all wake up, and they're like, oh. How far in are we? And then the only kind of clues they have are that uh, the one woman says, well, looking at our food rations, we must have been here for a couple of days already. So they like for they pass through the barrier and they don't remember their first few days. Um, but they were I think they were keeping some sort of journal or something. So either way, some time has passed since they since those two scenes and they run into an alligator as their first major animal yeah and that's a pretty wild scene <laughs> and we don't know how this uh this woman gets like sucked into like a sinking shack on the edge of a swamp not sure how the alligator did that <laughs> but that's okay I'll, get, I'll forgive the movie a little bit to take some exciting liberties visually but yeah so they get attacked by this huge alligator they end up having to take it down lena uh shoots it She's pretty confident that she's going to take it down before it gets to her because it's running straight at her. And um, that's where they, the characters talk about their background a little bit for the first time. Because they're like, wow, you're a good shot. You know, how'd you learn to shoot like that? And so they start, that's where they actually start like kind of bonding and sharing their backgrounds. You know, you find out Cass, they all had like fucked up back, back trauma, like not to go too specifically into it, but yeah. Yeah, they're finding uh, similarities between each other. There's there's a lot of trauma within this group. This these they're all emotionally damaged in some kind of way or had some kind of past trauma. They find you know they connect. The one girl cast really connects with her. I believe it's cast right. The one yeah that really connects and tries to. They they all seem a little off. You know, and everybody I'm not sure seems a little distant. I I'm not sure if it's them or it's the shimmer. Then you, you find out that, like, what I said in the opening, like, this, it starts to, it remixes your DNA. She figures that out because she takes a sample of her blood and then she realizes essentially it takes every, it's like a mixtape of DNA. Like this alien force had come down and it kind of grabs everything within its, within its, you know, barrier and mixes its DNA all together in a weird way. So, like, their skin, you know, starts moving in weird ways. You see, like fingerprints. Yeah, weird fingerprints. Like there's these this cool shot of like these. I think they're deer or antelope with like, like um, plant like antlers. There's an awesome shot where they're walking through, and you see like plants growing in the shape of people. 
like almost like Pompeii or something where people have been <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah. frozen by lava, but they're actually like plants growing in the So it's like, and that like, I, I, I was still confused because I was like, are these the people that previously went in and turned to plants or was it the shimmer taking DNA from people and then like turning plants into people growing. like growing, yeah, growing into the shape of people. But it was, I liked it. It was a cool visual. Mm-hmm. And then the, they come across this camp where they had stayed, where the boys had stayed before the uh, the group that Kane was in, her husband, and uh, they find this video. It's the only, you know, there's a list, there's like a watch, watch schedule list of when they're scheduled to be on lookout. And then they have this home recorded video of this guy, like, freaking out and it shows his stomach cut open and his organs are moving on their own. Like they're moving independently, not like in the way they should, like when your, your body's natural reaction, but it's like they're living, like they have their own sentience, which is very fucking creepy. Snake or something is his intestines became, became like a snake. That's like moving around inside of his own body, which I thought was amazing. So that was one of my favorite scenes. Uh, Another cool scene that you know they start to get antsy and crazy and then uh Tet, uh Cass is the girl that's taken away from the by the bear right yeah they're keeping watch overnight on the camp and um what looks like a bear shows up and snatches uh Cass one of the ladies uh snatches her away and drags her into the woods as she's screaming um they're not able to stop it they're not able to pursue it and they kind of take it as a loss, although some people in the team think that she's uh, a goner and other people don't. So their goal is to go try and like find her um, during the rest of the trip. Yeah, so the next morning, they're kind of debating over going to uh, look for her or just move on. So they kind of end up doing a little bit of both. <laughs> they kind of go towards the uh, lighthouse, which is their goal, because that's they were told that that's where the center, the epicenter of where everything started happening is. So they're going to look for her on the way. Um, but yeah, she was taken by a bear, and it's pretty traumatic. Well, then Lena Lena finds her and confirms that she's like dead. Like she finds her remains. So they yeah. say, you know, she's dead. Well, they find out that Natalie Portman... Natalie Portman isn't up front that the reason she went in there. She says she just wants to find out what's going on. But uh, they don't know that other than, you know, the doctor, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, Dr. Ventress, they don't know that her husband is sick and she's trying to find a cure. The other girls just think she's a part of the team because of her expertise. Uh, But then they find out, you know, her... She's married to Kane, so she's like the one girl, Gina, or played by Gina Rodriguez, I'm sorry, Anya, Anya, uh, goes crazy. She starts to, yeah, she starts to get suspicious, not trust her, and then when they go to sleep, she ties her and Ventress and uh, Josie, played by Tessa Thompson, up and, like, pulls a gun on him and, like, starts, like, demanding answers and, like, what the fuck's going on, you know, and saying, like, she can feel her skin moves, starts freaking out about what's happening to her body, and then essentially, like, you know, Lena had said, we're all affected by this, you know, it's affecting everybody, and then you, out of nowhere, you hear 
uh, Cass, like, like screaming. So naturally, like, Anya just leaves them tied up in this cabin, runs to go, like, follow the screaming, and then we just see this fucking brutal, like, this is the one of the best scenes in the entire movie, and this was actually on Shudder's, they have a new series, 101 Scariest Moments of Movies. I'm glad we watched this before you saw that. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I did watch this before. So, uh, so like, and then this bear just walks in, but it's not even a bear. It's like it's a bear-like creature, but like with a, like a skeletal face, and it's kind of like hunched over, but it's huge. And they brought this up too that it's lit very darkly, but I guess there's another like before they like light corrected it. You can see part of like a human skull in the bear's face too. And I looked at stills and you can actually see it and stuff, but it's kind of obscured in the movie. But when this bear like roars or makes sounds, it makes like, it has the voice of Cass, like, like the screaming yell of like despair of Cass as like, so as she was being eaten alive, her DNA got fused with this bear creature and part of her, her like vocal yeah, yeah, it, it, part of her, like, existence, or maybe, yeah, maybe it was her vocal cords, but I didn't think about that, but, like, yeah, her DNA or vocal cords or whatever the fuck happened, so got fused with this creature, and is may still be alive, or just remnants of her existence is, like, fused in this fucking animal, and it's terrifying, and then it comes in and starts, like, sniffing the women, and then, like, making, like, more of the sounds, and then, like, Lean is just like, don't react, or it's gonna attack us. Then Anna comes back, Anya comes back, like starts shooting it, and it's like doesn't cut away, but the bear just like attacks her, jumps on her, and fucking rips her face off. And like one of the most brutal like killings I've ever seen, like just from a bear attack. Like there's a pretty brutal bear attack in the Reverend uh, Revenant, sorry, but this this was pretty this is on point. I loved it. So Oh yeah. So fast forward, she's dead. Uh, Tessa Thompson's character starts like turning into a plant and then she just kind of wanders off and dies. And I think she, uh, she says something about how awful is it, you know, must, it must be, but then ends up probably happening to her because like Mm -hmm. we just turn around and she's not there. We find out Jennifer G Jason Lee's character has cancer. Uh, it's like inoperable cancer too, right? It's like stage four. Yeah. She's, she's got a death sentence. So that's. Why she went in, yeah. So she went in because she already knew she was gonna, she was you know gonna die. They get to the lighthouse. They go in and they find like this. I can't even really. It's just this like almost like this blob of light. It's a very weird. How would you describe it, Brittany? It's hard to describe. So she. Uh, so once Josie wanders off, she um, is a little upset, but she continues on. And yeah, she gets to the lighthouse, the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Ventress has gotten there ahead of time because she ventured off a little ahead of everyone else. She's like, I'm going to keep moving if you guys are going to be slow asses. All right. So so she's already gotten there. So Lena arrives and um, sees evidence of something going down in the lighthouse. So there's like a man kind of reminds me of the monks that set themselves on fire. Oh, uh, yeah. Self-immolation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so she sees this like uh, guy, or what looks like a guy, sitting, um, and he's all like charred, and it looks yeah. like there's an explosion. 
So she's seeing evidence of all sorts of like weird <laughs> shit that happened in this lighthouse. She watches the a video because uh, there's a camcorder uh-huh. set up, and um, she watches this video, and it's her, it's her man. It's a video uh-huh. of her guy. So he made it to the lighthouse. Kane, there. It's it's strange because they show Kane talking to the camera, but he's uh-huh. also talking to someone off camera. Right. And he explains how pretty much a flashbang works. I think that's what it is. It's, it's a phosphorus grenade. Phosphorus. That's what it was. So he explains um, how a phosphorus grenade works, and he kind of shows himself coming to terms with killing himself. <laughs> Which is um, a little confusing because he does make it out. So you're like, okay. So you watch him in front of the camera um, say his last words and say uh, he tells the person behind the camera to go find Lena Uh and get out of there. And he lights it, explodes um, on camera, and he's gone. So uh, the person from behind the camera walks out, and it's also Kane. So we're kind of like, what the fuck? Right. A doppelganger, like a copy or something, or or something. Like, we don't quite know. One time, there were two Canes in WWE. There was, like, a good Kane <laughs> and an evil Kane. So, oh. it was, I was, I've, I've, I've experienced two Canes before. Yeah, so you already know. Yeah. <laughs> he went through the shimmer. Yeah, so, so that's what she is greeted by in the lighthouse, is this video. And there's, like, a little, like, uh, hole, pretty much. At the other end of the lighthouse, or at the other side of the room, that um, nobody in their right mind would just say, "Yeah, I'm gonna crawl down there." Uh, but it's a movie, so <laughs> so she crawls down there, and um, I I love this detail. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but Doctor Ventress got there first, and you see a shot of the hole. With Dr. Ventress in the foreground and Lena coming down the hole in the background. And mm-hmm. Ventress is turning her head to look mm-hmm. at who's coming in. And mm-hmm. she has like no eyes. I don't know if you noticed, but she has no eyes. No, I missed that. Uh, well, she has no eyes. And mm-hmm. <laughs> as she's turning, the eyes like form. And then she. Turns, That's awesome. And then it looks like Ventress. So um, they have a short conversation and Ventress kind of explodes into a ball of light that looks like an ever-changing iris. I mean, Uh I think that's originally what you asked me to explain is what it looked like. And I talked way too long. But it kind of looks like, yeah, an ever-changing iris that's Uh like glowing and floating and uh, kind of like sucks. (laughs) Sucks Natalie Portman off a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it sucks some biological material um, from her into the iris and um this this, like blob comes out of it that starts forming into a uh kind of like a terminator 2 yeah sort of like t1000 yeah very like t1000 or under the the character the creature from under the skin kind of or like yeah it was just like a very Nondescript, or even like one of our shit monsters from uh, uh, sh- <laughs> from shit, sh- shit lemmings from Mad God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, it was kind of birthed out of this like iris starts coming after her mm-hmm. as she scrambles back up the hole, 
and then it slowly turns into it and one of the weirdest like it's very it reminded me even though us i think i don't know if us came out first but it was it was mm-hmm. a lot like that there was a dance scene in us yeah i think oh, us came out after this, where um the main character yeah us came out a year after this so but where it was like you know there were parallel twins uh but it w- it was mimicking her movements and not even in like not even in an aggressive or dangerous way like it wasn't assaulting her but it was trying to emulate her and then eventually it turns into a version of her uh she gives she finds another phosphorus grenade and then just like kind of gives it to her to hold it and just the creature it just do- it just does it and then like you know it goes up and you know it goes up in flames like or- the original Kane did and then she goes through um and explains this all you know then we cut back to her explaining this to benedict wong and the the movie ends with her going to her husband and embracing him and essentially showing in her eyes that she has been you know assimilated probably mostly assimilated by the shimmer so and then that's, yeah it's like a cliffhanger ending kind of right right so i mean like it kind of it Kind of seems like the shimmers destroyed, but they both came out of it changed. <laughs> but so they the shim- still persevere. Even yeah, the shimmer lives died. on. The shimmer lives inside of them. They had both. Well, right. the sh- he was the the cane copy was born is the shimmer was born of the creature, and I didn't know. So I'm not. I am still f- uh, foggy on whether the shimmer is is the being. Or is the shimmer a thing that the being uses to assimilate things? So that's that's why I, I think didn't... it's kind of a All... area of an area of effect that it uses to learn about its surroundings. So you think the creature, like the iris-looking creature, is different? Is a separate? Is not linked to the actual shimmer itself? You think the shimmer? No, I think they're linked. But they're not the, the shimmer's same. just like a bubble around it. They're not one in the same. Well, that would be that explains I think they it. talk to each other, or it could be one in the same where they're like connected as like a like a an extra body part, like a hive mind kind of deal. Right. Yeah. So I feel like the core is maybe the more creature. of a physical thing. Yeah, but I can like buy the that. bubble around it, the radius of the shimmer that's expanding is like little tentacles that are like feeling out what's going on, keeping okay. the core safe, and just kind of checking out what's going on around it and getting it ready, learning, <laughs> bringing it back or, to the hot, the mind. Well, maybe I just thought of this. Maybe I'm just being dumb and overlooked it, but it's like cells so maybe it's like it divides into cells so it just divides and then it replicates so like it's just Mm -hmm. different cells and cells replicate differently sometimes so i just imagine the more advanced cells the more evolved cells are the ones that assimilate the human beings like that either a change them and kill them or b try to copy them and it um and if you notice um it doesn't try to attack her because she's not violent towards it you know 
It just kind right, of right, right. Just a total copy. Well, she she originally thinks it's violent towards her and panics, and that's where. Yeah, she runs towards the door and it smashes. She does her get butt. hurt because she panics around her doppelganger that's forming. Right. Um, but once she realizes it's just kind of copying her, that's yeah. how she's able to kind Escape. of just hand <laughs> hand over <laughs> hand over a. A weapon. And Phosphorus like, grenade. This. And, I'll yeah. see you later. Hold, hold this grenade. <laughs> Deuces. I'll jump back in and then I'll go meet my, I'll go meet my new clone husband. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Um, is it technically cheating if your husband is a clone made in the Shimmer? Who's to say? Discuss. Who's to say? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah. So definitely an interesting take on it. And the movie, it's very self-contained. And I read that he did that on purpose because he wasn't quite sure that a whole trilogy would be made from this. <laughs> um, I definitely so, want to read the book. Yeah, the book's or, really good. Or the books, rather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, at least the first one. It's The first one's self-contained enough, but it does leave some room for what happens next. But, uh, so yeah, obviously so, so you it love is this very, I, I like both. Equally, you know, mm. it's like I'm. Um, it's one of those things where I'm a fan of the, of the book, but I'm not mad at the movie. I love the movie right. for different reasons. And... It's like the movie. It's like Alex Garland came in to the book and took its DNA and then remixed it with <laughs> film and kind uh-huh. of changed it into something new by ret- by retaining elements of the original story. Exactly. Oh, look, at- look at that. Very meta. Very Perfect. meta. <laughs> it was planned from the start. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a good one, guys. Definitely. Check it out. I would check it out. I mean, it's one of my favorites of like modern movies that have come out in the last like five to ten years. I loved it. Four, four stars. And I uh, thought it was very. I thought it was almost like if you told somebody. If somebody had never seen the movie of John Carpenter's The Thing, but somebody explained to someone about the movie, but told them to make a movie similar to that <laughs> without seeing it, I thought that's how it felt. It felt like yeah. The Thing, but in a less vis—I mean, it was in a less visceral way. It was more of right. an existential, more realistic. In a way, not, you know, just a bunch of goo. And I love the thing. It's one of my favorite movies. But especially, and I feel that was intentional. I really want to, I want to find more about Alex. I want to find a lot about Alex Garland talking about this film. Because um, I feel like there was even an homage to the thing where they were all tied to the chair. And kind of like how they were tied to the chair in the thing. And then the danger came in, you know, with... uh, in a in a un, unnatural form. In a in a unnatural form of one of their own, which is yeah. very. That's why I was like, that's got to be. I mean, you know, that's got to be intentional. That's got to be an intentional homage. The special features on the Blu-ray are very good. I'll put that out there. There's a commentary, and then there's very. Uh, from what I remember, there's like a good bit of special features on the making of and his um, mindset behind why he did what he did so definitely worth watching the extra features too if you like the movie itself i i have to dive into those did did he he mention anything about being influenced by the thing i don't remember him specifically saying that no 
I really think he was, but I could. But be. I'm sure. I mean, everybody's seen that movie, so. But I loved it. I will once again another four star movie in my book. I say check it out. Obviously, Brittany, you love it mm-hmm. because you picked it for the marathon. I really dug it. I thought it was such a cool movie. Um, out of the two of his movies I've seen, I like this. I like this better than Men. But uh, I, <laughs> I haven't seen but, Men. Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to see Men and then discuss that. Or you Ex Machina was really good too. Ex Machina is just got bumped up on the list. I know everybody's like, "Oh, you haven't watched it yet," but you know, I, I pop around. It's not really horror, so but you'd still watch yeah. it as like, a, yeah. not expecting it to be horror, but. I would. I'm sure if it was as good as this, I'll love it. But Annihilation is on is in the marathon. The next movie, uh, we're down to two. Uh, we've been going a little long here. But this movie actually is pretty easy, uh, and it's it's a really easy explanation. I almost don't want to give away the ending because it's got a great twist ending to it. So what I'll say about Glorious that I really liked is, and I'm glad we decided together to watch this one because mm-hmm. uh, n- neither of us had seen it, the, there's... It's just the charming banter. So this gentleman gets, you know, leaves his girlfriend, uh, Brian Katane's character. He uh, leaves his girlfriend. Uh, He's been recently dumped, or so we believe. Uh, And you just can't, you feel bad for the guy. You just can't help but feel bad for the guy. He's obviously, you know, tries calling her at some point, tries to you know, make amends and get back with her. And then he ends up getting stuck in a, like a pull off, like a roadside stop restroom. And not like one of those nice, you know, pull off stations where they got like the fucking Tim Hortons and Starbucks and Burger King. There's nothing. It's just like one of those old school ones. It's like in the middle of like a park, you know, Mm -hmm. and then there's a bathroom. And if you're lucky, Maybe the coffee machine, you know, the old school coffee machines. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I love the coffee in those coffee machines, if I can digress. Like, just the weird. There's something uh, about, like, that. And the hot chocolate. Yeah, mm. it's good. It, nothing else tastes like that. It's, like, terrible, but it's, but it's great. It's very specific taste. <laughs> it's very, de- yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to go on record here saying that I like the trucks. Uh, what are, they're not truck stops. What am I thinking? They're Welcome like stations, rest, rest, rest stops. stops. Yeah, like rest yeah. stops. Yeah, you know the I like the rest stop coffee machine coffee and, and cappuccinos and uh, hot chocolate. So you hear it first. So yeah, Wes is our hero's name. Tra- he accidentally locks himself into a bathroom, and there's a guy that just keeps, you know, needling him with this hilarious banter and asking him for favors. And he's stuck in this toilet cell. Toilet stall, sorry. But it <laughs> is a cell. Yeah. But it becomes a, a toilet cell for him, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a bottleneck movie, which we didn't know going in. And I didn't ask you until now. Bottleneck? You love bottleneck movies. <laughs> They're one of your... Or bottle movies. But I call them bottleneck. <laughs> bottle movies, bottleneck movies. People are bottlenecked into an area, you know, and they can't get out. So... And you love bottle movies. So what did you think of this one? Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a nice change up from what we chose this year. 
um, because a lot of the movies we chose were very serious (laughs) and intense. Um, So it was really nice to watch something that was a little more silly. And the the not the narrator, he's not really a narrator. The the person in the other stall, the voice, uh, instantly reminded me of um, Elmer from Brain oh, Damage. Yeah. I yeah, just he did have a... what I thought of immediately. I was like, oh, this is great. I love it. I, I want more of this. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty funny. I, I yeah, I thought J.K. Simmons voiced the character. We find out that he's an ancient lord, like uh, a Lovecraftian creature. Uh, th- there's a drawing, the weird alien drawing where the hole is and over the glory hole. Mm-hmm. He keeps asking Wes for a favor, but Wes just can't bring himself to do it because he's imagining he wants him to insert his penis into the glory hole to service <laughs> the to service <laughs> the monster. Being. Because he keeps saying that he needs, you know, the feeling he needs, it'll make him feel good. So it's, it is coming off as, you know, some kind of sexual thing, (laughs) sexual gratification for this alien. And he he keeps trying to escape. So he gets stuck in this bathroom. He has, he, there's no way out. It's like labyrinthian. Uh, We get flashbacks to him uh, thinking about his girlfriend, Brenda, and how they had met how much he misses her, how tortured he is. Um, one of the, there actually is a maintenance guy that shows up who also gets, ends up getting locked in the bathroom with him to hilarious results. Um, let's just say things don't turn out too great for him. Um, and we find out that the creature, um, Who's I think? What do you say? Uh, the way to pronounce his name is you have to hold your tongue and say <laughs> "got another one." Uh, I believe that's right. Correct. I think so. so yeah. Hold so his name was. And so his name is. So that's how you pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, when he goes to initially, when he comes across uh, the bathroom, he's vomiting because he's hungover, and then uh, got another one. Um, goes to explain to him, you know, how much fecal matter he can tell him precisely <laughs> how much fecal matter, where, where it has originated from. He's got the answer. He's got every answer in the universe. And he's just kind of, he, he's like the chatty neighbor that you run into that you like on the bus. just knows too many things. Knows too many things. That you didn't ask no, for. Yeah. That you don't want to know you weren't asking for this and poor uh west just gets caught up in the middle of it this movie has a really crazy ass twist that i did i expected to come i didn't expect all of it um we find out that god another one is hiding out from his dad which we assume i think i'm not sure if he said it uh i don't remember if he said it but we're assuming it's cthulhu because it's very like lovecraftian so he's trying to save Wes from all of this, but he needs him to provide him, you know, services whole, essentially, was what he's <laughs> yeah. asking for. <laughs> and then, because he's gone into hiding, uh, not got another, <laughs> got another one has gone into hiding to be safe from his, you know, overlord father, you know, demigod, whatever, to bring the darkness into the world. But his children had um, suppressed him the great grand overlord of Cthulhu or whoever he may be 
but now he's gaining power again and trying to locate them. So, and he needs West to serve as his hole so he can gain the power to send his dad back into, you know, the black oblivion so he can't hurt anybody ever again or bring on pretty much bring on the destruction of the universe. So, uh, but very great lines in there. Great dialogue. I say, check it out. Um, it was a fun little movie. You can tell it was shot for nothing, but um, mm-hmm. I thought the acting really made it was a driving force behind it. And uh, the director, Rebecca McKendry, I'm looking forward. I would watch something else that she has directed. And once again, I love J.K. Simmings. He's J. Jonas Jameson. He's Omni Man. He's he's been he's done it all. And uh, he's got a great voice. He was in Oz. Yeah, he's just done a little bit of everything. So I just, um, I'm a big fan of him. And I thought him and Ryan Katane had good chemistry. And for being a bottle movie, I thought this was good. I would say, I would give this one, uh, you know, three stars. I'd say this is a fun romp. It's worth a watch. What say you? I agree. I would give it maybe three. Yeah, just three. But not a bad way. What were some of your favorite? I kind of went off on a tangent, but what were some of your favorite moments about it? Uh, Well, I mean, the dialogue was just fun. You know, I loved the voice of the entity and his like literalness to everything that was asked or mentioned, (laughs) even if it wasn't wanted. It was a lot of fun. And I think it speaks a lot for the actors um, to pretty much act into nothing. He's pretty much acting by himself other than very few moments where there's another actor or actress um, put up next to him. But to be able to act alone into nothingness, I think says a lot and also be funny about it. So he was very animated, too. At least I thought so. His... um, uh, no matter what <laughs> was going on in the movie, he was very expressive. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. It was cool. Um, there's a little bit of a twist in there. Yeah, I like the twist. But not um, like too full of itself or anything like that. It was just maybe you could see it coming. Maybe you couldn't. But it's it's not meant to be like super mind blowing. But it's it's kind of nice to kind the way they reveal it kind of slowly yes. throughout his experience in the bathroom. So. Um, it was fun. Yeah, definitely deserved to be on this on our uh, marathon this year because we needed something a little more lighthearted. I think we it's went really light- serious this year. Yes, it's a lighthearted let me up movie about a Lovecraftian creature con- conversing with, you know, a man who may or may not be spoiler alert, a serial killer or maybe <laughs> yeah. not in the bathroom. So, yeah. And Ryan Qu- Quantain is, uh, I believe how you say his name. I thought it was always Ryan Quantain, but I apologize, Ryan. Uh, say it again? Quantain. Quan- okay. I think it's Quantain. It's K-W-A-N-T-E-N, Quantain. I thought I it was Quantain. I from anything else. So. He was in True Blood, he, and he did oh, well yeah, in Daddy. Right. Okay. He I played didn't really Su- watch that, but. Yeah, he played Sookie Stackhouse's brother, um, and... Yeah, Jason Stackhouse. And yeah, he's been in some other stuff, but Stackhouse. Yeah, that was what a name. Yeah. I mean that's it was a southern name, I suppose. She was a fairy. <laughs> and he and then at some point he started dating a Were Panther and that's when I just turned the show off. I'm like mm. this is a little 
I mean, it, I, it is what it is. But he was good in this. <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought him, uh, you know, he had him as a leading man. You know, maybe a few more movies he'll be, you know, down. But he was believable in this, and uh, he played off of uh, J.K. Simmons pretty well. So, but definitely check it out. The ending is great. Like I said, three st- uh, three stars for me. Yeah, definitely worth a watch. Brittany, we've come to the end of the road. Our final movie at our marathon. We've made it this far. And this we watched quite a while ago, but we did watch it together. Um, yeah, it's been it's a while. one of your favorite movies of all time. I believe I bought it for you for your birthday or Christmas. Yeah, and I have a couple special editions of this movie. It's so good. Uh, what Since it's one of your favorite movies, why don't you bring us in, talk about it, talk about why you love it, why you picked it for a marathon, and because your exuberance about this backed up how I've always felt about this. I, I went as a kid, I watched it like one time and I really liked it. And then you saying like you really loved it made me explore it again and then won me over. So go ahead. Hopefully you didn't pump me up too much because I I'm, I feel like I'm never the best at like <laughs> explaining movies. You don't have to explain the plot. Everybody knows Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's in you the know, title. These, yeah, these pods come down from outer space. They start, you know, mimicking people. Uh, they they take over them, put them in pods, and then steal their likeness and essentially replicate them and replace. But why do you love this movie? You explain that to me. That's why I want to hear. I want to hear okay. Brittany's reasoning. <laughs> Why I love this movie. So this is the first kind of movie that I saw growing up uh, that had to do with like loss of identity, like body snatching or doppelgangers. Um, Actually, technically not this one. I saw the original one in the 50s and I loved it. You saw it in the 50s? I saw it in the 50s because You look great for your age. You you. are. (laughs) I I saw the 50s one first. And um, I loved that. I was very disturbed by it, just the thought of it, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and then I watched this one because I liked the, the older one so much. And uh, my dad was like, well, you're going to love this one then. So I did. Uh, we have Jeff Goldblum in there and everything. So what's not to love? Uh, he's uh, very uh, sexual and uh, great. He's always <laughs> a pleasure to see in a film such as this i prefer him not talking but it's fine oh, okay. <laughs> i don't know about anybody else out there but um maybe a maybe a body i'll snatch his body no oh. <laughs> a body snatch ver- version of him who uh, just doesn't talk <laughs> anyway no he's fine i'm just kidding so okay so i love I, i've noticed over the years that my favorite types of movies i've mentioned a few times are like sci-fi Mm-hmm. But sci-fi horror, but very specifically sci-fi horror that deals with loss of identity or body snatching. Um, so I love Coherence and I love like Solaris. What else is out there? There's a ton of other ones out there that have to do with that. Um, like The Devil, all those good ones. So um, I find myself most disturbed by movies that cover that subject pretty much loss of identity or specifically doppelgangers just really creep me out. So um, this being one of the first few doppelganger type movies that I've seen 
I think it just struck me the right way at the right time. And that's why I love it. Um, and it's good, man. Like the effects are good. Um, mm-hmm. I think the acting's good. It's very, very creepy. And um, after watching it with my dad and probably even before watching it with my dad, uh, my dad always did the iconic pointing and gasping face at me here and there, which really freaked me out. So <laughs> I would let that's I would I mean, that's the lead right there. But I would love to see your dad do that. I got to see. Oh, his he, rendition he still does it now <laughs> here and there. I'll say the right thing. It'll trigger the trigger the look, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just stuck with me. It's one of those things that really like weirds me out in a way that I pursue. It's great. And I love that it's one of those endings that's not necessarily a happy ending, which is another trend (laughs) that I notice about myself. Things that aren't the happiest ending um, or you don't get the payoff that you're building up to, but still in a satisfying way. So I guess that's the best way to explain it. I just, I think it's a specifically me thing. But other people also think this is a good movie because it is a good movie. It's an amazing movie. Um, What I really liked, I thought Donald Sutherland's character in this film, uh, the health inspector, uh, he he just had this great quirkiness, you know, he goes into the the French restaurant. He said, you know, the guys, the maitre d's like, you know, oh, it's a rat turd. Or, or he said, no, he said, Donald Sutherland's character, Matthew, Matthew Bennell says, it's a rat turd. And then the French guy's like, it's a caper. And he's like, it's a rat turd. And <laughs> it's, it, it's just so funny. Donald Sutherland, he is considered a great actor, but I think, you know, people of our generation, our generation gets him, but I think younger, like he might get lost in the shuffle because he's in mm. a lot of older movies. We might be the I last mean, wa- people to really appreciate him, maybe. I think he was in the Hunger Games, so I mean that that's probably how m- most young younger people know him. But he's so good in this. Uh, he plays opposite Brooke Adams. She's great. I like their little chemistry, and you know they can't be together because she's mar- she's married, right? Yeah, and then uh, so she can't be with him, but they're you know they're clearly in love with each other. But I do like the fact that. Um, Jeff Goldblum and his, uh, his girl or his wife played by Veronica Cartwright. Everybody comes off as this like self-help guru. They just come off as these cool like era. I wasn't alive for this era, but you know, my, you know, folks have told me like there was this big like self-help movement, almost like an existential, not existential, but yeah, like you can get the power finding the power of you, you know, and through like the universe and that's kind of how it all comes off like they come off of like these neo hippies that were into like the self-empowerment movement and so that's speaking of identity but then the juxtaposition to that is they're being you know assimilated by these pod (laughs) you know these pod monsters so you know the the ultimate era of uh self-discovery through like sexual liberation and you know expanding your horizons you know living the bohemian lifestyle as they used to call it just you know being out there being different being quirky and their whole thing that they were rallying against is you know the 50s and you know normality of the banality of life Mm -hmm. essentially 
And I didn't, it took me a while to get that from this movie, but I was like, I don't know if that's what Philip, uh, Philip Kaufman was trying to do, but that's, I, I pulled that out of it. I was trying to look for different meanings in movies, but on a base level, total base level of aliens coming down and body swapping people, this movie's great. I like the little cameo from Kevin McCarthy, who, you know, played the lead in the original movie. He's just, he's just running around saying, yeah, they're here, they're coming and shit. So it's like, it's just like almost like a pseudo sequel. Like that guy was still alive all this time and the the body snatcher. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't make it that they were going, they were moving very slowly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very methodical. Playing the long game. Yeah. I thought the special effects in this movie were awesome. Mm -hmm. I thought when I said just the starkness of like how, when people turned and like you said, the iconic scream was insane and it's It's like a reverse scream. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's super, it's super amazing. And, and it's scary. It's, it's one of those movies, you know, I can't really do it justice. I think everyone should watch this movie, Uh, but it's one of those feelings. And this is terrifying to me. It's where everyone is against you. And even though you're Mm -hmm. right, you're the crazy person and you're, you're, you know, you're wrong. So it just proves that being right doesn't matter when, you know, you're surrounded yeah, if by the masses are on board. Yeah. And we like, you can of, only be, you can only be right as a group, not as right, an individual. Exactly. And we kind of live in that world, in this world now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, the, Creatures pick off, you know, the pod people pick off our heroes one by one until we're, you know, we even lose love interest, Brooke Adams, who I thought was amazing in this movie. She's so cute. And, uh, but Veronica Cartwright, you know, her and Donald Sutherland make it away or so you think. And he, you know, in the twist ending, he gets assimilated and she's there all by herself screaming, which I thought was a bad call because he'll clearly, know, you know. I mean, he was pointing to her, but then she was drawing more attention to herself by screaming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She could have bought herself some time at least. But I think after everything that happened in the whole movie, she was kind of like, it was just like the tipping point, you know, like she knew that like screaming and making a scene is a bad idea, but it's just too much at that point for her. It's just the end, you know? Uh So. What was some of your favorite, other favorite things about this that you can... I liked the well, I liked the design of the pods. I think I mentioned that like how it's kind of like kind of reminds me of like fungus. There's like some sort of like weird like membrane that kind of crawls and grows on their body. And when they just the scenes of them discovering the people being transformed. Yeah. yeah. All the nasty like I just I guess the practical effects like all the scenes that had the practicals in it were some of my favorite things. Um, and then the ending, like I said, just the whole concept. <laughs> you really don't trust anybody. You can't. Yeah, you just really don't know. And there's no way like these are copies, like duplicates of people other than emotion. You know, uh-huh. there's no way to know if they've been taken because they know all of the same things that, you know, it's a very paranoid movie. You know, it makes you feel really kind of crazy. The one of the moments too uh robert duvall who was in godfather he I, yeah he plays a crazy priest who's obviously been you know maybe assimilated and he's playing on a 
uh, a swing, you know, so uh-huh. it was, he just happened to be around, uh, and then, uh, just popped in for like, had enough time to shoot that one scene. I thought that was cool. Um, also there was a moment where the, the dog, the, the, uh, dog with the human face that always freaked me out too. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? Which was, um, later there was like an element. I think, I don't know if they used the same face, but they did that again in nightmare on Elm street part two. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. I, it was so unsettling. They're just like, We're, we'll steal this from. It, like, the one thing they steal from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is. Uh, <laughs> is that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as everything else goes, like I said, Kevin McCarthy getting uh appearance as the. Which I imagine he's reprising his character from the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But. And this movie's been made so many times, too. Um, I just said, Philip Kaufman. I did a little research and he wrote, he's like a lauded after writer. You know, he's wrote like almost for all the Indiana Jones movies. He's done all kinds of stuff in Hollywood with Spielberg. So once again, it's one of those great movies from the seventies. It's tightly knit and paranoid and it's a welcome addition to our marathon. I think it's a good, I think it's a good closer. Yeah. For me, for me, it leaves me feeling nervous about my real life, <laughs> which is what I always look for. Something that like a movie that can make me feel unsettled and bleed over into my into my night. I guess it, maybe it's weird that I want to feel that way sometimes, but, no, but it makes me think I mean, of like my family or the people I'm around. And um, if I think a little too much about it, it makes me nervous. You know, even though logically, you know, that everybody that's probably not a thing that can happen, but a little part yeah. of your brain's like, oh, what if it does? Well, and you're the one person we- who d- isn't believed. What's weird is that this movie is more relevant now than ever. It's like people are more divided. People are just waiting to be divided now. Like mm-hmm. they're more divided than ever. Like and, you know, the mass, if you don't agree with the herd, you know, you get canceled or you get ostracized or you know it's it's we're coming we're getting closer to invasion of the body snatchers than further like and it's it's aliens didn't have to come to do it so it's the (laughs) fact manifesting in a different way than we expected yeah it's a like the fact that the story holds up you know you know more than 50 years later you know almost 50 years is, is insane you know yeah it's it's just really it blows my mind so um yeah, just from the original one, and like I said, I think this is still my favorite interpretation of this. But I would say definitely solid uh, four stars on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, hands down. Yeah, I would say I would say five stars. It is on five my, stars. It is on my top. It is on my top five on Letterboxd. So <laughs> top five of Letterboxd, you can check out. All of our choices and how we got to these on our letterbox, the signals from PGH, which is short for signals from Pittsburgh. Uh, and you can see how we came up with these choices and worked these out. So I have some final thoughts here. What I've noticed about all of our movies in our marathon, uh, starting with Titan, Mad God, Annihilation, Eden Lake, uh, Glorious Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they all have to do with identity. Um, you know, Titan, you know, this woman 
you know, gets herself into an insurmountable problem where she has to change her identity, be someone else to change her entire life to escape repercussions of what's coming for her. Mad God is essentially about the assimilation of the assassin in his, you know, a piece of him being taken out and then essentially part of him being alchemized, if that's a word, into birthing a new universe. So saying that we, the universe, if there is a narrative there, it is still about identity. It's like we are all part of the universe. We're all part of the cosmic slop. (laughs) Annihilation is, you know, your identity being changed through who you are being changed through this extraterrestrial remix of DNA. You know, Eden Lake, uh, the kids are turning from, are supposed to be identified as boys will be boys, these young ruffians, but they're actually becoming sociopaths, killers. And some of them agree with that, some of them don't. So it's a very, you know, like you said, Brett goes through this transformation of he's becoming coming into himself, coming into himself his identity as a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glorious, not to give the twist away, but the whole twist is hinged on we believe that this guy is one thing. He's a distraught, you know, ex-lover, you know, and is distraught about a bad breakup. And then his identity is revealed to be something else. And an invasion of the body snatchers is straight up. Very literal. (laughs) A very literal stealing of one's identity and replacing them with uh something dark and sinister and destructive so we (laughs) we unintentionally had a theme a theme this year yeah (laughs) which is weird that you said that's your favorite movies are all about kind of identity did you notice i i noticed this you know just like thinking i noticed that there's a few overlaps but i didn't i didn't quite see where you were going with some of them but yeah that makes sense now yeah that's wild Unintentional theme for the year is identity 2022 and not the movie identity. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you, what did you overall think about our marathon? I think our marathon was definitely a little different this year, more heavy, maybe not as balanced as other years, but we did kind of do this differently this year. But still a good mix. I think that I wouldn't insist on any specific order of these this year. So I would say if you're interested in checking this out and doing the um, marathon yourself of these movies, that you should put them in whatever order your heart desires. (laughs) That's that's what Brittany says. But my order would be the order in which we reviewed them. So I would say do them in that order but you, you had here's your identity do you identify with britney and feel like you want to put them in whatever order you want or do you want to re- experience them how we experience them in that order so it's up to you <laughs> the, the choice is yours um i want to give a shout out to joe neff he wouldn't, wasn't able to join us for our marathon but this one is dedicated to him we'll have him back on very soon uh, i hope he enjoyed our picks um we will hear from him in the future. I had so much fun doing this with you. It was fun to watch the movies with you this year. Mm-hmm. I like how we picked them. And I hope uh, the listeners that we have out there in podcast land enjoy it. 
Did Any I? closing remarks? <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Had a fun time. Check these out yourself. Comments and build your own and link us because I'd love to try out other people's marathons. You know, see what scares you guys. Let us know what you think and be aware of who you are and don't lose yourself out there in the world and know your identity out there in podcast land. Good night.